0: Give me a fat beat to beat my buddy's
1: <laughs> My <laughs> friends
2: You tell me what I thought you like that 50th woman! am I supposed to say What do you in my want to do? Drag to drag and, drag oh, oh, and oh, the whole And your mom! This and the and mom. last guy is one of the best Star Wars teams. No one else is like going to deal with the fact that Cap just said language. I know.
0: The world a
2: to what is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Mouse Bros Podcast. Another episode here today. I'm with the boys. We have a guest here today. I'm going to bring him in in a few minutes. Um, however, there is something that needs to be discussed right now. Ladies and gentlemen, Chapek is out. Ding dong. The witch is dead. Bob Iger has returned. What does this mean for the Disney parks? Maybe nothing, and maybe everything. But having a new face of the company is very good for morale. Let's let's get in. Let's get into this, Cole. I'm going to start with you because I know you got something to say, and I'm going to go to John after that because I know John has probably got <laughs> strong opinions.
0: Listen, I- I'm hyped. Uh, if anyone caught the live last night, you know I was talking like for hours about this. But the biggest thing for me is, like, I'm, I'm, I'm most hopeful for annual passes. Like, the single-handed biggest, like, initial play he could make being CEO again is just say, hey, annual passes are back on sale. And if he does it right before the holidays, like, you want to talk about the, the – gra- like, people going to be buying them for their families for Christmas presents. It is – and then also – that also then spans into a bunch of free – really positive marketing with everyone on social media, recording their family, finding out they got annual passes for the first time in years, because there are people that let go of them during COVID that thought they'd be able to get them back that waited. And then they've been suspended. Like there've been people that have been waiting since March of 2020 to be able to go back to the parks again. And they can't because of all of this. So it it would be a brilliant move. Uh, I'm just glad to have him back. Iger. I've always said it. He's. He's a creative. Uh, he's so much like Walt.
2: Yeah, and he, he, he really loves the people. Um, that was one thing. I mean, the way that this news broke is he sent out a personal email to all the like cast members and people in the company, which uh, speaks volumes to the type of CEO he is. But I saw somebody kind of piggybacking off what you said, Cole, who had like a really great idea of things he could implement quick that would be great fan service but would also make the company money which are reopening AP sales and the dining plan. The, it, now, are these things that are definitely going to come back? Maybe, maybe not. But they're ways that you can put fan favorite things back and still make money.
0: Absolutely. And one more thing that I noticed today, because I initially said it in my video that I posted and then people corrected me or I was like, I corrected myself. Is that like, I was like, oh, he got fired because coming from a corporate world, Like when you just had your contract renewed and then you retire effective immediately (laughs) or step down, that's just a polite, like they asked you to step away from your job. However, I saw some articles today from official news sources that aren't being as friendly, like a few of them that were saying actually he was forcibly removed from his position. Um, And it wasn't even this graceful. He stepped down thing. So I don't know what the truth is right now. Uh, I mean, the fact that it broke at like 10 p.m., that really screams forcibly Wild, told you yeah. then. But and not uh, polite. Hey, guys, I'm I'm going to leave. But yeah, John, let us know what you think.
2: Yeah, I, so, I can't wait to hear this.
1: Um, I think if you guys have been following me on social for a while, you guys know how much I, I do not like Bob Chapek. I never <laughs> liked him when he was like, I think he was head of parks at one point. So I, I didn't like him then, and I obviously I don't like him now, but I think ha- having Bob Iger come back for the next two years minimum is going to be really good for the Parks. I think the like Imagineering needs it more than anybody right now, because Bob Chapek never like was a part of Imagineering. If you follow Tom Morris on Twitter, uh, he was a former Imagineer for like 30-something years or something like that, and he literally said uh, when he was still at the company, Chapek never even came into Imagineering. He never like came and met everybody the way Iger pops in like Walt did and was like hey what are we doing today what's going on so I think that's going to be a big step for Imagineering in the future and I think they're finally going to be able to get the ball rolling and getting things done like finishing up Tron getting Epcot finished the next big project for 2025 whether that be like Moana for Animal Kingdom or whatever they're going to do I I think some of the stuff we've now seen at D23 is going to happen because of Iger coming back. So I think with Iger coming back, it's a really big positive for the company and especially on the creative side because he is a creative person. A lot of the stuff we currently have that people go to the parks to see is because of Iger in the last 10 years. So I hope to see a lot a lot of good out of the next two years. It's a positive note. People all over social are ref- are very happy and it's a refreshing look for the company. And, you know, out with the old and in with the old.
2: Yeah, so it seems like Disney's been doing a lot of like optical things to show that they're listening to us. So, first off, obviously bringing back Happily Ever After as a fireworks show. That's something that people basically demanded into existence. Um, and I mean, with what Cole said, they had no intention of letting go of JPEG. Bad stock numbers, whatever. They, they renewed his contract very, very recently, as he said. This was something that I feel like was forced by the fans and the fandom and the people who support the company and that they know are going to spend their money. At the end of the day, Chapek is a good business CEO, but there are certain businesses that take a, a different touch. And Disney is specific. It is, it is all about the magic and the love for the cast members and the people and making people feel special. And just putting that new face, taking out the face that was, you know, whether it was all him or none of him, taking out the face that everybody painted as wicked and putting back the face that everybody loved because whether he was fiscally fantastic for the company or not, people loved Bob Iger. He was around for 15 years, 15 years, removing that and putting a new optic on it with somebody that people love. Now you're setting up Iger to do no wrong. Somebody said a conspiracy theory that was like, what if they put Chapek in for two years just to give Iger like a two year vacation and he was there to force everybody to hate him so that when Iger came back, he would just look like a great guy and that he could keep like getting people's money and everybody would just be like, it's fine because it's Bob Iger. Um, I think that's a little far fetched, but uh, regardless, I mean, I'm just I'm just happy to see a new face and I'm happy to get some new light and and have some at least optimism for the future.
1: Yeah. So, so list- oh, go ahead, man.
0: You, you go ahead because I got some homework for the listeners of the podcast regarding all this. So, you t- share your last thoughts. While yeah. So, and we'll kind of
1: move on. We are going to get into a little bit next week because I'm kind of hosting it. So, I do want to talk about this next week. I do have an idea. But one Can't more wait. thing that comes from me um, Bob Chapek. Was CEO of Heinz, the like the condiment company before he was CEO. Before he was a part of Disney. Before he was CEO of Disney. And and here's the big difference between Bob Chapek and Bob Iger. Bob Chapek, he's very yes, he can market things good. He's very how how high can we get the sales number? And he's that way because of obviously the dude to sell it was selling at one point condiments. So how can you make more money selling ketchup and mustard? And I think that's the thing trickled over with him to Disney is he never understood the core values of the company the way Bob Iger does. He doesn't understand that the guests will eventually stop coming whether people say oh they're going to come or not but your diehards who are making you money after he had said annual pass holders are basically like worthless after this man said that I don't see how people could appreciate him enjoy him when Bob Iger's out here like we love our annual pass holders we loved our diehards we love our guests so I kind of got a little jambled up there, but make what you want of it. That's why that's the difference between the two is Bob Iger comes from a marketing standpoint of how much money can we make in a little amount of time and how much BS can we sell? And Bob Iger's like, this is BS and we're not putting the Disney name on this product because our guests won't like it. It sucks. Imagineering doesn't like it, so we're not going to make it. And I'm not putting my name on it. So that's the difference there, and take take that with a grain of salt. But we're going to dive more into that next week. Take it away, Cole.
2: Yeah, yeah. He he. All right, you know, we'll we'll as John said, we'll we'll get more into it next week. We'll save some thoughts, but uh, everybody knows what the massive topic we are here for. We skipped a week um, to give everybody a well, chance. I got to give them their homework it. real quick. Oh, I didn't. I'm sorry. I, I forgot about homework, the homework for next week.
0: Yeah, yeah. You're good. So, and this will be great because if if ever if people can do this and kind of share in our comment sections on the videos we post this week uh, or message us with any insight or anything that you found, uh, it will give us more to talk about next week. But there is currently a story going around today that during D23, Bob Chapek invited a group of influencers, we don't know from what realm, but influencers that were present at D23 221 Royal in Disneyland For a private meal In which he basically Asked them to Be nice, talk nicely About him on social media And to try to reshape his image I believe it And there's some evidence out there that this happened That this meal happened I personally don't know anyone that was there Obviously I'm not there, Disney doesn't call me For Jack, we're not to that level But (laughs) There is bits and pieces from like people talking and stuff like that. So if anyone can find anything from the September 9th through the 12th on any social media, people talking about a private influencer meal at 21 Royal, please share in the comment section. Let us know what you find, because that will just give us some juicy stuff to talk about next week, because I could not
2: believe I heard that today. Find us the receipts. Find us the tea. Enough given exposure to Mr. Chapek. Before we segue, there was one thing I wanted to just say. Um, Nemo, this might hit for you. I'm I'm just going to say it really quickly. Cole, you as well. John, I don't know where your fandom lies. Uh, I do have to say rest in peace to a a massive icon in the nerd community, in the comic book community, in the TV community. I have spent hours crying the last few days. I never... Uh, Mac Miller's death affected me a lot because I had a very strong connection with his music. And growing up, I did not know that a celebrity death could affect me this much. Uh, for Jason David Frank, for a yep. lot of us, he was our first hero. He was the first hero that we could remember. And I said it in my TikTok today. I was born in 1993. Mighty Morphin Power Rangers debuted in 1993. I, he was my hero From the day I was born, he, he, I have known who Jason David Frank slash Tommy Oliver was for as long as I can consume media. So first off, thank you to him for not only providing such an amazing character, but for being such a beautiful voice in the community and somebody that nobody ever had anything bad to say about. You never heard about a bad interaction with Jason David Frank. He did more con meetups. He did more free promo for bat in the sun. He did more than most people in this community do. The only person I could say comparable is maybe Mark Hamill or Kevin Smith. And Mm. this man was a role model, not just as an actor or as a TV role, but as a person. Thank you for being all of our hero. Thank you for inspiring multiple generations. And please, especially men, it is Men's Mental Health Month. Please talk to somebody if you need to. If I have never spoken to you in your life, I am an ear for you to talk to if you are going through something. Because life is hard. Shit is not easy. don't Don't do it by yourself. And don't smile to everybody else and then just let yourself be consumed by these things. And 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 we're going to talk more about somebody keeping things to themselves as we get into this episode, but um that's what I have to say about Jason David Frank. Nemo, you wanted to say something?
3: Yeah, I mean, I was literally playing Warzone with the boys. It was like 3:30 in the morning and my homie hit me. I don't even know how he found out, but my homie hit me up. He was like, "Listen, There's something going on with uh, uh, Jason David Frank. um, I'll keep you posted. I was just like, what you mean? And then like 30 minutes later, he sent me the uh, Facebook post that his uh, uh, trainer posted about him passing away. And it was just like, you know, one of those things where like you're super in denial to the point where like you're paralyzed with like this in denialness. If that makes any sense. You know what I'm saying? The first thing I said was no, 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 no. Yeah. Like, and in my head, I'm like, I literally looked at my phone. I was like, nah, <laughs> like, I was just like, nah. And so like my, my mom, the, the reason why me and my mom are so close is because um, she grew up with uh, seven brothers. And my uncles were the reason why I'm such a big nerd today, because, you know, they were super into comic books, James Bond, like literally like classic movies, like Star Trek and all that good stuff. So growing up, you know, I was born in 97. I'm, like, you know, late 90s kid. But, like, growing up, it was all about, like, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, Power Rangers Galaxy, um, you know, uh, Power Rangers uh, uh, um, uh, uh, Space and Time. Like, you know, all of them. And I remember my first um, exposure to Power Rangers was I was at my grandma's house. And I think it was somewhere around Thanksgiving, um, I think it was when the Mighty Morphin uh, original movie was, like, you know, such a big thing already. And my my grandmother had, like, a huge VHS collection. And the very first VHS tape I've ever watched was the original Mighty Morphin, yeah. <laughs> you know, movie. And so I was just like, bro, Don't like, do. this is just so cool. And then my mom told me it was, like, an actual TV series and ever since then, as soon as I got home, I tried to watch every single Power Rangers episode. And that's how I got into it. And then, you know, reading the comic books and, you know, like everybody said, like Tommy and, and you know, Jason was like everybody's like first real hero, you know, because we grew up like looking up to like these fictional um you know, comic book or animated uh uh superheroes, but like Power Rangers was like the very first medium that actually gave us like our first live action, you know, before the MCU, before the DC movies and stuff like that. So, you know, and it, it kind of sucks that a lot of these Power Rangers and um yeah. that people who play uh the Power Rangers don't really get that much love and recognition. They don't really get, you know, the flowers that they deserve. Nope. Because they were they were the ogs bro <laughs> like mm-hmm. you know before the mcu before the dceu you know even before the you know like you know uh uh, uh toby mcguire spider-man and, and stuff like that they were the ogs bro. Yeah, they held sure. you know so it was it was really crazy like i literally spent you know the past day just rewatching anything power rangers just yeah. you know in memory of him so r.i.p to the legend
0: well said, Cole. I'm just going to say right now, popular opinion, I like the Power Rangers movie from 2017. Dacre Montgomery, I liked it. It was good. Dude,
2: I... It was okay. I was- thoroughly enjoyed that movie. I think that they did really great things with touching on um, R.J. Siler's character being on the spectrum. And, mm, yeah, um, you know, kind of adapting, like, older stories with, hey, anybody could be a hero. Anybody could be a Power Ranger. And that was... Kind of the big thing with with Tommy Oliver was he started as a bad guy. The first episode is called Green with Evil, and it was my first exposure to because as as Nemo had kind of said, there wasn't too much superhero media, and and what you did have was like Batman the animated series and Spider Man the animated series, stuff like that. X Men was very cut and dry; there were the good guys and bad guys, and in Power Rangers. Tommy was the bad guy. How many people react to that scene where he comes up in the Megazord and he is just, (laughs) he is just waxing these boys like, (laughs) like it's nothing. How many people have reacted to that scene? He was a bad ass bro. And he was unstoppable and he was as evil as evil comes. And it's so corny, but it was one of those power of friendship things like, and it was our first exposure to it. That, if you are bad, you can be good, especially if you have the right support system. And um, it, it's just heartbreaking. And, I mean, Amy Jo Johnson, who played Kimberly, uh, did a live uh, when she found out. And I, I I had to turn it off because she just got on live and was sobbing. like, and, yeah. and that was the relationship I looked up to, Tommy and Kimberly. You know, I had so many people in my comments today talking about Tommy was my first crush. And I'm sitting there like, Kimberly's my first crush. You know, that's, that's what people think They Tommy and Kimberly. So to see her reaction and, and to see Walter Jones reaction, the original black Ranger, it, it's just heartbreaking. He meant so much to so many people. Um, It it, it's, it's always, it's always the heroes, him, Kevin Conroy. It's just terrible. Cole, had you, had you put your hand up? Do you want to say something? All right, well, Nemo, before we go into your next thought, I want to say you've heard a fourth voice. You've heard me say the name Nemo. I had no chance to introduce him. On today's episode, we have Nemo. If you know him, he's on TikTok. I'll let him plug his TikTok name. He is ranging almost up to 50,000 followers. He is either either like an encyclopedia or the (laughs) um, most amazing researcher... Because he just pulls, like, I was watching a video right before this of you talking about Slumberland and where Slumberland originally <laughs> came from. And I'm like, alright, he had to look this up, because if not, how the hell? Like, is this dude Megamind? He harbors so <laughs> much comic book and TV and movie knowledge, and and I like to think I'm pretty knowledgeable, and I think Nemo would give me my flowers in that respect. But Of course. But at the end of the day, he pulls out things that I'm like, dude... How do you know this? Nobody should know all of this. And and you're just another person that comes to TikTok with facts. You come with factual information. You support everything you say. And if you want to get really acquainted with him, one of my favorite series he does is the I am Miles Morales series. (laughs) I don't know how I've never seen another person do this, but he tells Miles Morales story just as Miles Morales. From the first person, he is Miles Morales, and he goes through Miles' comic book story from the beginning. This is amazing for people who don't want to sit and read comic books, but want to know more about these characters. So you are doing a great service. I'm just sitting here and being a total mark for you right now. If anybody knows (laughs) wrestling, uh, that's what a a mark is just obsessed with, being a total mark for you right now. Nemo, welcome to the podcast, dude. Thank you so much for being here. And with that being said, we are talking Wakanda forever, and we are aware enough where um, maybe a little cultural representation might do some good on this, rather than three white dudes talking about a movie that (laughs) probably is not going to hit anywhere near as hard as what I'm seeing with all the other Black counterparts in the community. So thank you so much for being here, man, and I'm really excited. Thank you so so much for having me, bro. Yeah, man. Yeah. Julius and I have been friends for a while since before TikTok even was a thing. Um, yes. we we met through a mutual friend. Shout out to Vince; uh, he'll be at yeah. the Bad Batch. Um, but uh, I've been nothing but good energy and good vibes. And then you know, you had kind of told me one day at like the little deli in Edison that you were on TikTok and you were at thirty thousand followers, and it was just from talking to your phone and blah, blah blah. And I hadn't even started TikTok at that point, and I was like man you know what maybe i'll do this he just talks about like and at first you were talking about anime fire force manga yeah um and you kind of have gotten more into comic books and you just know everything but um (laughs) yeah you kind of were a big driving force for me to be like you know what if if somebody i know can do this i can do this and that led to me becoming friends with cole and john and being part of a really great community so uh really excited to have you here man
3: Thank you so much man I appreciate it like like it one thing I always tell people like I'm I'm really not that like social of a person but when I am it's just like I I only surround myself with good people. So, you know, when Vince introduced me to you, I I just automatically, I was just like if Vince is cool with you, then I know I'm going to be cool yeah. cuz Vince also only surrounds himself with good people and 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 I mean, look at you now. Like when you you started after I did and and you grew really fast too. You know what I'm saying? So that's why I was just like, you know, it's it's just really cool to like one thing up TikTok is like a very, you know, if there's yeah. a really, yeah, it's, it's a very uh, interesting relationship we have with TikTok. But one thing I can say that TikTok has given us, um, like you know, the nerd cult- culture in general, is that it allow us to um, connect with our community a lot easier. It, it, it gave us yeah. more accessibility. Because I remember before TikTok, everybody knew I was a nerd, but not to the extent that they see me at now. And it felt like I was holding it in for like yeah, a very long sure. time, you know. Absolutely. And like you know, like yeah, I read manga, yeah, I watch Naruto, but I only you know portrayed that in like the slightest bit. But once I saw like wow, like I have a thousand followers, like and uh, every single person like watches anime like I do, like I finally felt comfortable with just being fully myself as possible without trying to, to like hide anything. So that's why like, you know, I, I gotta give TikTok props for that for like allowing me to give um myself to the rest of the community. And helps you know, know you're not just, alone. For sure. Exactly, exactly. And so yeah, and and just like for the Slumberland thing, yes, I did do research. Um Back before I dropped out of college, obviously, um, I was an English major. Like right before uh, I stopped going to school, and a big part of you know doing papers and you know research papers is research. So like Not doing true. research is like I've I I practice research a lot. So you know yeah. I just typed in Slumberland because I before watching any television movie um, or just just or even books, like I want to know. Where, where it first started, who originally wrote it, you know, the production behind it, the voice actors, because, you know, we consume media so much to the point where it's, like, sort of the same way we treat music. You know, we listen to a new album when it comes out, and then, boom, we move on to the next one. You know, it's not really, like, actually appreciating that artwork. So I feel like to actually, you know, appreciate the hard work that a lot of these, you know, creators, you know you know, put into these works is just like, I, I want to know the directors, the writers, the voice actors, you know, the studio that made it, because you never know, you know, I was just like, Oh, okay. This studio made this movie. That's the same studio that made that movie. And that's my, like, you know what I'm saying? So that's why like, I love doing research before I like watch any movie
2: and you know, so yeah. You find out you find out really cool things. Like I just recently found out that like Sonny Soljic is the voice of Atreus in and- God of War, and Sonny Soljic is the kid from mid-90s, which if you've never seen Mid-90s yeah. by Jonah Hill, just stop everything, pause the podcast, <laughs> and go watch it, because that is in my movies that's like when somebody's like, hey, what, what three movies would you suggest to somebody to tell you about your style of film? I would be like, The Truman Show, Mid-90s, and Return of the Jedi. Those are... Th- those are the three. Ooh. Those are, those my, are some picks. Those are my like three staples. Mid nineties, I left that movie, and there's no big conflict or anything like that. It's just a great film, and and Jonah Hill is 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 you know I think he's really on his way towards towards being something. But that's off on a tangent. Since we're talking movies today, we're talking Marvel. We're gonna have a little mini game at the end, which Cole just decided he's gonna have that for us at the end. Cole is slowly becoming our game master um, on the podcast, Uh, but today we are talking about Black Panther Wakanda Forever, and we have Nemo here for a reason, so first, (laughs) before we piggyback on spoilers, what I thought was fantastic, Nemo, let's hear your thoughts, reactions, and things you want to point out. About Black Panther Wakanda Forever and what it means what not just Wakanda Forever but the franchise and Chadwick Boseman mean to you as you know a black man in this community
3: um well first off I think this movie is phenomenal um I was talking to a buddy of mine and he kind of said something on on the surface level of things I almost thought it was offensive he was like if Chadwick Boseman didn't pass away this movie would have been like generic in a way and I kind of like, well, obviously I disagree with him because how could you I, even say you know, that though? It would be a completely different movie. Exactly, exactly. That was my first argument, like, <laughs> but um, for
0: different reasons.
3: I hate. Yeah. I hate that. And argument. so it's, so it was just like mm, not true. But anyways, so I feel like the reason why this movie was so good because it gave us everything that people thought the MCU lost as far as storytelling um rhetorics and it's just like when like right when you're on the brink of oh okay MCU is kind of losing it we don't know where it's going and it's just like boom they gave us all of the story rhetorics that you know we got back in like phase one and phase two um and so that's just number one and number two is the way they the way Ryan Coogler put so much respect towards Chadwick Boseman. And because I found out that the first thing he did was contact Chadwick Boseman's wife and his family and let him in on the writing process on how to, you know, write him off in the movie. And honestly, I... I I basically cried and I think I'm going to tear up just thinking about it right now, because if you think about like a lot of other, you know, Hollywood stories, like, for example, the uh, Jeffrey Dahmer series, no one contacted the original um, victims' families to get their okay. So when when you hear a situation like that, and then you see somebody like Ryan Coogler taking the time out of their day on a multi-billion dollar budget movie to contact a person's family to let them know like, Hey, how should we, you know, write your loved ones passing in a movie? And one, we got the permission from the family. And two, the fact that they were a part of the writing process, just, it it was sort of like a big middle finger to (laughs) the Hollywood space in general. Cause it's just like, this is how you do it. This is how you respect families yeah. who have gone through something. More importantly, this is how you respect family who has gone through some type of trauma. You the, know what I'm saying? So crazy... it's
2: Sorry, go ahead. No, 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 no. Uh, the the crazy thing is is with what you're saying like Ryan Coogler told the story that nobody that nobody really knew. Uh, yep. And 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 it's a line that I've mentioned in videos and something that I've said multiple times. Sure he says a line in the movie. And she says, my brother suffered in silence. That was not something she was just saying about a movie. That was her brother. He was a brother and a father figure and a cousin and a family member to all of them. And you could see in her facial inflection that she was really talking about the fact that her brother suffered in silence. And we all were confused. How did this happen? Why did this happen? How, how, how did he not let any of us in? And Ryan Coogler tells the story of why, because he didn't want to put these people through that because he was preparing them for his death. He it's like Chadwick took things. He learned from playing the character of T'Challa, put them, implemented them in his real life, prepared his family for his death so much so that they were able to work with Ryan Coogler, as you said, and tell his story and they actually had a hand in the fact of saying, we want, and and I also did this research as well. They wanted them to portray the death scene. They, they wanted to show that, that scramble in the end of everybody being like, what can we do to save him? And it was too late because that was his choice. I don't want everybody to scramble around and save me. I don't want everybody to worry about me. This isn't about me. I stand for something bigger. When I go, I go. But while I'm here, I'm the Black Panther. I am T'Challa. I am king. Whether it's in art or in life. And, I mean, it, it, it makes it hurt, but almost gives, like, that closure that people get. The reason why there are funerals, wakes, things like that. To open the movie with that scene was so just genius and heart-wrenching and real. And just one other point I wanted to touch on before, you know, I get back to you, Nemo, is you said storytelling. The first thing I said when I left this movie is that some of the best storytelling Marvel has ever done. Ever. I I turned to my (laughs) wife while we were in the movie. I hate talking during movies. I condemn it. But literally just word vomit out of my mouth. I turned to her and I was like, this is the first time I feel like I'm watching a movie in the Marvel Universe. I'm not watching a superhero epic. The closest one I felt to that was Eternals and Eternals, mm. but Eternals got comic booky toward the end. It, you could tell that it was a lot of storytelling from Chloe Zhao, but towards the end, it got big, bad comic book fight scene, even in the fights. Yes. There were the big CGI moments with iron heart. And just in case anybody didn't see it, we are talking spoilers. That's why we waited so long. Um, But, like, in those big CGI moments, they still went back to Shuri versus Namor. Hand-to-hand combat. On a beach. One-on-one. Her fighting for her trauma. Him fighting for his trauma. Her, with that internal struggle of vengeance. There was storytelling in the fights, which is one of the reasons why I still like wrestling in WWE. Because they always (laughs) say that the matches tell a story. The fights were integral to the story. They weren't at the forefront it's almost comparative to like the winter soldier because the winter soldier Mm -hmm. had amazing grounded fight scenes put into the middle of an easily top three story in the mcu easily winter soldier is a flawless movie in my opinion that it you haven't seen storytelling like this in a really long time and and i i i felt like i was watching a movie with superheroes in it, not a superhero movie with a story in it. It, mm. it. it, it was, it was film. There was art. There was trauma. There was pain. It was just so intelligent, and I, I truly believe that Ryan Coogler would have a harder time making a movie bad than making it good. Like everything he touches turns to gold. From Fruitvale <laughs> Station to now, everything yeah. it, it is fantastic. So. I mean, obviously, my thoughts are that it was phenomenal. Uh, yeah. I, <laughs> I love I it go line back to something cold. Nemo said. Yeah.
0: I want to touch on how he was talking about how the movie opened and everything like that. That's something that I said to, to my wife when we left is that I, he did such a brilliant job in the way that they did the beginning of that movie in where you felt immersed in the movie while simultaneously feeling like that was a memorial for Chadwick and like the mm-hmm. way that there wasn't they didn't they didn't actually like outright like say his name as much or anything like that. Like they didn't ground it in like, oh Chitala's passed away and stuff like that. Like they kind of just like let it speak for itself and like all that you actually saw and like there wasn't any speaking and but you see Chadwick's face in the mural that was on the wall that Shuri looks up at things like that. So it was just this I felt like it was a brilliant way of paying for telling a story uh, in, in the movie to explain why we don't have him as black Panther anymore. But while it felt for the audience, like it was a memorial for Chadwick more than anything, but yeah. it, it was it just, just done so well and seamlessly then moving through, through the scenes. Another thing I said to Kaylee that, Um, I thought what was brilliantly done is in the way that you get the opening scene, then you get the Marvel studios crawl. And they gave us the entire black Panther one, like they did when they re-released black Panther on Disney plus, but we got it with pure silence. And so I just said to her, I was like, you got this opening funeral scene. And then you get that with silence. You forced, even though you didn't need to, everyone into a moment of silence without actually like being gimmicky and being like, let's take a moment of silence just the way they deliver that. Because at that point, I mean, you've immediately already hooked everyone. It is silence in the theater and you just get that silent opening intro. And so I was like the way that they managed to do that as well in a way of like the audience paying respect through that, like moment of silence, I just thought was it was brilliant.
2: Yeah. And I mean it was it was crazy cuz like the silence was so loud in this movie. The silent moments and the small conversations were so loud, but when you talk want to talk about loud and that opening scene, freaking Ludwig Gorenson's score, man. Oh, I my can't wait to talk about that. God, bro. Oh I can't wait to talk about that. My god, first of all, the the way that you get like it's the sound of like the battle cry when they turn to Chadwick's face on the mural and and it it represents and you know, you could probably speak more to this, but from somebody who has worked in restaurants and banquets and, and done big parties, uh, Nigerian, African, Haitian, their funerals are celebrations of life. They, they rent out whole halls and party and party. They have pictures of their loved one up and they just have a blast. And, and it, when they are walking through, and you see the people dancing and smiling as as they carry his casket down that like center aisle, and people are celebrating that life, it was it was just so like culturally accurate, <laughs> but also like it it, it 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 was it was the perfect way to take them, mo- and it hit so hard like. It, it wasn't even just to like lift up spirits. It was more so like to show how that culture celebrates, but also seeing the passion in the music, the dance, the, the, the costuming, which it has to win another Oscar for costuming, like has yeah. to, has to, has to, has to. It, 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 it was just beautiful. And it lends to like that passion and, tragedy of it i think for the first like 10 to 15 minutes of the movie until the chadwick boseman title card ends i don't think i stopped crying like the entire Mm -hmm. beginning of the movie when they open and i saw them frantic and 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 i saw shuri rushing around they didn't even have to say what was going on yet i literally turned my wife i was like damn we're doing this right now We're, we're just we're just doing this like we're we're getting right into this like you're really gonna like just put me on my back right from the beginning and then just let me cry for this entire beginning and, and, and Cole, with what you said, that the silent title card, man, I, I've never heard a more deafening silence in a theater. I saw it on a Thursday night in a pack theater and I'm very happy I did because all you heard was sniffles. You, that entire sequence, when it started playing, it was just dead silence. You could hear a pin drop in that theater and then, right at the end when like that final image of him pops up all you hear is yeah just sniffles all over the theater how many times that happened i don't even know but uh nemo you you wanted to say something yeah. off of that?
3: um just a couple of things to piggyback off what you said earlier about you know suffering and silence um that just goes to show you that Chadwick Boseman was literally Black Panther Mm T'Challa because me being a fan of Black Panther been reading uh, his comic books T'Challa a lot of people don't know this but T'Challa in the comic books low-key well depending on which comic book but 90% of the comic books that T'Challa was in he did not want to be king and a lot of people don't know that which is so crazy so Not only is he suffering from this mental jail of like, okay, I don't want to do this, but I love my people so much, so I'm going to have to do this. And so with Chadwick Boseman, there was like interviews of people like talking about him, like he was, you know, staying like hours extra after every event to single handedly say hi to every single one of his fans. He was working out you know, before filming and after filming to the point where he was working out and training twice a day for six days a week. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because he wanted to give us Black Panther. That's how much dedication he put into this character. He was just like, you know, I've been honored with this role. And I can't let the people down because they want to see Black Panther. So I'm going to do everything I can to give them Black Panther. And that's literally what he did. So he was just like, I, and, and, and it's really sad because it goes to show you how much these actors really do love their fans because he could have easily said like, Hey, listen, like, you know, I'm sick, you know, this, that, and the third, but he was just like, no, like, I'm the people come first. He quite literally put us, everybody in this podcast, everybody around the world who's a fan of Black Panther, a fan of the MCU. He quite literally put us before himself, and that's what made it, you know, hit ten times harder. It's
2: what we do. It's what it's what we do. We shelter the people we love from our pain. It's and and you know, it's it's something that it's crazy. It's crazy that before this episode, we lost somebody like Jason David Frank because the parallels between JDF and Chadwick Boseman with living the character, being the character, loving your fan base, appreciating people, being the best you could be. It, 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 it's, it's, it's honestly very, very like bone chilling to me to think about. And I, I don't know. I, 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 these people, they, they suffer in silence and I have to say as somebody who, you know, struggles with anxiety daily and has dealt with and, you know, is in a time in my life right now where I've beaten depression and I'm, I'm past a very bad point in my life. And I'm very lucky the past few years, I I have an amazing life and I'm very happy about it. But when I went through that, nobody knew, I never said the word depression. I never said the word depressed. I never said I was having anxiety. I just suffered by myself so nobody else had to feel it. There's times when my wife comes to me and she's like, hey, I can tell you're holding something in. You need to talk to me. And most of the time it'll be like, you know, I'm disappointed with how, you know, my family's treating something or how, how you know, my friend is doing this. Like, But I keep it in because I don't want her and my peers to feel my pain. And mm-hmm. that's why I kind of spoke to, at the beginning, not doing that. Like, because it is something that we do because we want to be strong for the people we love, but we have to worry about ourselves at some point as well. And, and it's really important. And I mean, thank, thankfully we got an amazing iteration of King T'Challa and he is our King and our Black Panther and he will be forever. Um, But segueing off that, we now need to talk about the people who, are with us and had to deal with that loss while filming a freaking movie. And not only dealing with that and filming a movie, but putting their entire life into these performances. Angela Bassett. Oh, my God. And, and I feel like people are letting it overshadow. Y'all, y'all need to realize Letitia Wright's performance was just as good, if not better. 'Cause that performance, Letitia Wright's performance was so raw and real and and, and literally gut wrenching, heartbreaking. The acting in this movie was was just mind blowing to me. Even down to Mbaku doing what he has to do as the comic relief. Some some of those lines, yeah. man, like he has some of the most iconic parts of the movie.
0: He has my favorite line in the entire movie. And I don't feel like anyone says that I've seen so many people quote this movie and quote the like Cuckoo con part. No, I'm sorry. And I don't know if you picked up on it. I, cause I've talked to some people. Yeah. But my favorite part is when he's talking to the council after Namor invades and they're like trying to recover when they're up in the mountains and everything like that. And he's just listing off what happened. And he goes, and he's, and he goes, and we're dealing with a man who's arguably as strong as the Hulk. Some people say, and like he makes this offhanded rep comment that's completely made up about I know exactly Namor being as strong as about. the Hulk solely to downplay the fact that that man kicked him clear across the river. <laughs> it like, it was totally an ego thing for him. And it's just like, it just goes unlike phased with anyone, but I'm just laugh- laughing because like, that is, that is such M'Baku that is just like, Oh, this guy's as strong as the Hulk. Like, that's the only reason he did
2: that to me. I mean, it's such a tragic movie. It had such great comedy. Like there, my favorite line in the entire movie. I did not hear until I saw it a second time and it's when they're in the garage with Riri and they infiltrate it and some one of the, one of the soldiers just goes, "Oh shit, she got an Iron Man suit." Yeah, Iron Man Yo. suit. <laughs> yes. Yes. I was dying. I was dying. I was like, "Yo, no way." Like they they did a really good job and then, like Riri clown and Okoye like not knowing just how badass Okoye really is.
0: Like when she came out, she's like, "Oh, she's in, like in a suit." Like and the fact that that scared her. Yeah, <laughs> just seeing a Dormilaje yeah. come out in a suit, she was like, "What is happening?" Oh I was my God. dying.
2: Yeah, there was. The, the, I mean, the the, Harvard the,
0: scene, the whole thing, the whole heart, Massachusetts Harvard part of MIT, it was yeah. great. It was such a great introduction for for her character for Ironheart. I'm like, I love this. I love all hey, of this.
2: Something to pay attention to. Riri Williams goes to MIT. Who just got into MIT? Ned and MJ. Um, yeah, Ned and MJ just got into MIT. Yeah, so we're gonna have multiple Marvel characters over there. I mean, we're obviously getting Young Avengers, right? Like, like oh yeah, for it's, sure. Like it's sure. it they've all but told us now that we're getting Young Avengers. Um, but yeah, I mean the score. I if anybody else wants to touch on the score. I mean, Ludwig Gorenson has produced some of the great scores of our time, right? He is a musical genius uh, when it comes to composition. But this, this movie yeah. was a different level. And when you hear the music in this movie and then see what Ludwig Goransson looks like, you are like, you are like, what? This is the whitest yeah. man in the history of the planet Earth. He is whiter than white how did he do this how did he put together such a beautiful culturally relevant score what the hell does this guy know about African <laughs> music like and uh, apparently a lot because holy crap Nemo what what do you got to say about the score dude so, real quick real quick uh, for anyone oh, yeah, that guys. doesn't
0: know what he looks like real fast for anyone listening to the podcast on your way to work that doesn't know what Ludwig Göransson looks like basically picture of Jared Leto and and um Seth Rogen had a had a baby.
3: That's hilarious. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like the long hair and everything. <laughs> oh,
0: my like, God. You know, like a cult when you, leader. When you
2: clip that, please, yep, pop, that's him. please pop a picture of him. He looks there. Amish. Yep, that's him. He
0: just looks, just picture Amish, and you and you
2: got it. <laughs> His name yeah. is Ludwig Gorenson, dude. He is. Yeah.
3: White as they come. But um, the, the, and like, this is coming from, like, me as a musician myself, that's literally the first thing I always notice when I watch film. Cause my love for uh, music and my love for film kind of like happened simultaneously Um, because, you know, my love for music came from movies and my love for movies came from music, you know, seeing how music elevated a scene. So one thing I've noticed with the music, but not like the music inspired by the film, but more specifically the score of the score. Yeah, of course. Um, and one thing that I noticed that people aren't talking about enough is that the music is basically kind of like a character in its own. And that's how oh, yeah. music in film is supposed to be treated. So my favorite example uh, to, uh, to talk about um, is the scene where um, they infiltrate the um, oil rig um, and then Namor and his goon squad pull up. Bro. And you notice... You know like please watch it again because you'll notice you better the the music...
2: yeah. so talk about the chance.
3: Yeah. So the the music only escalates as much as the scene itself escalates. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's super quiet. And then you hear like these light whispers and you're like, What the f- is that? Like, you know, and then are we allowed to curse by the way? yeah go for it yeah okay okay i, we I have, have to, no sponsors you know, I, I, yet to
2: tell us what. okay gotcha gotcha
3: you, got you. so you're sitting there like yo what the fuck is that like you know what i'm saying and then as the music gets louder you'll start to see more of the sirens emerge from the water so it's i was a- like that is how you compose music and then you didn't actually hear the full song until the you know uh the telecons actually Fight. And I'm like, nobody is noticing this but me, but I'm like, the music is sort of like, you know, uh, a soldier in itself. You know, the music yeah. emerged from the water just as much as the sirens did. And I thought that was just brilliant and the same thing with the dora milaje um theme song you notice know, every, every time, time they dora come milaje, in every time it was just the light chant you know what i'm saying but every time they were in a fight scene that's when you hear the drums come in you hear the bass come in and i was just like bro everything about this was just done beautifully and shout out to ludwig fun fact he also made the song <clears throat> redbone with child childish
2: gambino yeah he's done so much that like you wouldn't even know was him, yeah. <laughs> um, but with what exactly? What you were saying, uh, the the score being its own character. How, like, fucking mad scientist genius, do you have to be that? I don't think anybody knew that that chant was the Talokan until you saw people jumping ship. I think everybody thought that was the music of the movie. And it was like, oh shit, like this is the this is like a Mayan like native indigenous theme song. I like this, I like this. And then their heads emerge, and as you said, as the music gets louder, people are literally jumping off the boat. <laughs> I'm like, yo, and then they and then you know, I I am vocal about the fact that I am not a big fan of a lot of exposition, however. I feel like there needs to be some exposition. Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness really balled up exposition and shot it at us nonstop. That was like yeah. why I hated that movie. This movie, but I, I won't say hated, but why it was one of my least favorites of Phase 4, but this movie had just the right amount of exposition. Because right when you're sitting there and you're like, "Is is that chant related? And then you see people jumping, that's when she's like, It seems to be some kind of sonic attack. I feel like that is the right exposition to put in a movie. Explain that little bit for people. But like when you have in Multiverse of Madness, like, like America Chavez is dying and she's like, but I'm dying. No shit. Like, (laughs) like we don't need to hear that. We don't like obviously. And then she's like, oh my God, wait. You're betraying me? Fucking duh. Like, uh, duh. You These are not things you need to say, but little things like that. And on my second watch of Black Panther, I was like, let me pay attention. Besides that, there is very little exposition. Besides, because except for where it's needed. When she's messing with DNA, I just thought she was trying to recode T'Challa's DNA. I didn't know she was trying to recreate the heart-shaped herb but she explains it good exposition good i'm america chavez and i punch portals to the multiverse yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah we we saw it we we see what's going on you know like and and like i don't know i i just thought this movie for me was about the the, the fine details the little details that they didn't miss everything that was in that movie to me Served a purpose, except for one thing. My one gripe the the only thing that keeps this movie from being a ten out of ten for me. And i I've heard arguments, and I get it. I really didn't need the Valentina Contessa storyline. Uh, whoa, mm. whoa, that we, okay?
3: We strongly Th- so disagree. I'm am i'm i'm gonna let you i'm gonna let you finish, but i I agree and disagree at the same time. But go ahead,
2: go ahead, go ahead. I just, for me personally, I just thought with, I I think it might've been better if the payoff was better, not just Mm. to catch Everett Ross, but if she was really there to recruit somebody for the Thunderbolts, which is what her purpose has kind of been. And I get that she was the military, not military, but the government figure. And I just didn't need government figure beyond Everett Ross. And that was just personally for me. I, I felt like I felt like I'm okay with them setting up future. I just, I just personally didn't need it, but I don't, I don't feel like it is bad. It just wasn't necessary for me. Cool.
0: Okay. So here's my thing. And the best explanation I got for it, cause yeah, I've heard plenty of people say they didn't need it. Um, and obviously some bigger creators anyone that's in the Marvel space you know there are certain people that said I could have done without it as well and it got really controversial and stuff like that um not wanting to name drop anyone um but one of the best explanations I got for it is that her storyline serves the purpose uh regarding exactly what people were fearful of with T'Challa at the end of the first movie when it's like we are I'm tired of living in the shadows I want Wakanda to step into the light. And I mean, he, Bilbo Baggins told him, Bilbo told him, people are, people are really, they're going to be really scared of what you got and they're going to want what you got and everything like that. And I feel like her storyline helped prove the point and show exactly that, that here you have a superpower in the world. They know what you have. They want what you have. And clearly, and again, going back to what you said about exposition, I've started to figure out ways to manipulate their stuff already, because the fact that we find out at the end of the movie, she goes, Oh, I hacked those beads before you even showed up. I'm sorry. You hacked Wakandan technology. What do you mean you hacked Wakandan technology? How do you know how to do that? Mm-hmm. That in itself, that little statement proves that they're already figuring stuff out that they didn't even know the world had outside of Captain America shield had no idea that it had a tech application. They had it as a shield. They had it as, "Oh, this you can't break this material. That's cool." And then they find out in a what what's the time span? Like a um well, depending on who got blipped and who didn't get blipped, 5 years. In 5 years, they have figured out how to how to rework that technology in a way that they don't know that they hacked their own technology. Like I, her storyline was proving it, it's 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 telling the same story a little bit. I feel like as Iron Man 2, with people being like Mm. afraid, afraid of Tony and his suit and like, oh, everyone else has got this. Everyone wants what you have now. And I mean, I know Tony then mockingly goes, no, they don't. Like, let's look at all the footage. But it just it's that story again that it's like, hey, we found out there's something useful or powerful in the world. We want to figure out how it works. We want to replicate it. And her that was that was her whole part of the movie. I don't think it was just to set up the Thunderbolts or other stuff. I feel like she's also a more relevant character. She's gonna be even more relevant moving forward well, than just the Thunderbolts. Well, Cole, because I mean you're she's, not a, huge. she's a brilliant character.
2: I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. It just you're not huge in the comic books. You're you're more into like MCU. I I know, you know, we've kind of talked about it, but Nemo, um piggybacking off what cole said with valentina contessa uh being you know an important player moving forward why don't why don't you go ahead and tell the people who valentina what valentina contessa's code name is in the comics if you know it so
3: i actually don't know it i didn't even valentina
2: Valentina contessa's name in the comics is madam hydra um all right. I've, so yeah, I've heard of that name before. She is going to be incredibly important. Um, if they go that route of bringing back Hydra, there are some really incredible Hydra stories uh, in the comics, like Captain America, agent of Hydra is
0: yeah. <laughs> black, black, black suit, Captain America. Dude, that story uh, yeah. is
2: fucking wild. Um, but there is a lot they can do with her and, and, you know, hearing what you said, it definitely makes it make a little bit more sense. But the only thing that it takes away from with me is like, I understand that they had to do the storyline of, oh, you know, we're scared of Wakandan technology. You know, what are they going to use it for? But you're in a universe now where a, a purple sectioned alien snapped everybody out of existence. <laughs> so like, how, how much more can you like, you're like, well, Oh, what we really need to put our government assets into somebody as important as Valentina Contessa is Vibranium. There's well, it's two, a comfort thing. There's two green rage monsters running around now. Not one. It's, it's yeah. a comfort
0: thing. It's, it's control what you can control. And like, one that's, with That's fins. the whole thing. It's just like they have no knowledge of the galaxy. They don't know any of that stuff. That's scary to them. That's We can't do jack about that. Go research like, the head that's sticking
2: out of the ocean, the giant celestial head that is literally just in the middle of the ocean. Stop worrying about vibranium. Go look at the the person. The, there's the,
0: there's a saying, and I
3: the
2: there's God a saying, and I
0: can't think of it. There's a saying, and I can't think of it about that. Like basically, like control what you can and what and whatnot. Like it's <laughs> just, it's. I, I wish I could remember it right now, but it's just that like vibranium is something they feel like they can understand. And clearly they've gotten a little bit of a grasp on it and they feel like they can figure out, I mean, even, uh, even backup vision, vision 2.0 and all that stuff. Like they, they're, they're figuring certain things out that otherwise would have terrified them. And I think that's like, Control what you can control. They can't, they they can't do had. jack about a giant skull sticking out of the out of the ocean that didn't somehow destroy our, our planet's ecosystem or how the world works. But that, that's another story. Should uh, have I know, had. Nemo, you had your hand up.
2: End, end credit scene. Be William Stryker calling Vil- Valentina Contessa and saying, don't worry about the vibranium. We found something better. And then the screen pops up and it's the chemical symbol for adamantium. Mm-hmm. Ooh, ooh, people would have been wild. Crazy. People would have Yeah, so that would have been crazy. crazy. But Diva, what were you going to say? I'm sorry. So, okay. So,
3: here here's the thing. Um I the reason why I agree and disagree, I'm going to go into the reason why I agree first is cuz you have I I'm a big firm believer in you don't have to have a face for everything, which is the reason why I agree because um you know, um, what's her face again? Uh, Valentina. Yeah. Um, she, she was kind of the face of like that third party snake that was like starting trouble in, in the, in the whole situation. And I feel like she was there only for the sole purpose of making it easier for the audience who aren't into comic books to follow that story because, you know, the, 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 the nah, military, um, you know, trying to steal vibranium, hacking vibranium, that's quite literally a metaphor on how America exploits, you know, the minds of young black geniuses mm. and POCs in general. So um, mm. to to add a face to that, like, I, I get what you're saying, because it technically really wasn't needed. But the reason why it was needed is... To to add more emphasis on that metaphor, because if you think about it, like the Americans, you know, discovered that there was a vibranium somewhere, and you know, just thinking about it, Riri said that that vibranium uh, finder machine—I I don't know what it's called specifically—she said it was for a school project. So in my head, I was just like, bro, a school. Vibranium finder for a school project? What the fuck is you doing, bro? Like, yeah, right. nobody. So, to you pray. know what I'm saying? So, in, my immediate reaction was just like one of her professors was either working with the government or has some ties to the government. And they probably were trying to figure that out for like the longest time ever. And once he saw the potential that Riri had, he said, Wait, I could quite literally use you mm-hmm. and exploit you. So that you could do the one thing
2: that we're too dumb to find out. So then, why not cut you the know? Valentina storyline and show that? Why not cut the Valentina storyline and show the direct exploitation? Mm. Because what what you said is completely correct. It is a metaphor for what's going on, but that's the plot of the movie. The entire yeah. plot is that everybody wants what Riri created, and it's not just the government. Talokan wants to destroy it they want it they want to silence her the government wants to steal from her which which is the plot which is why i didn't Mm. i didn't i think that it could have just been i don't know i i I, i've heard what both you guys have said and i kind of get it and just just for me after this conversation all i'm gonna say is like i'm indifferent about it it, it didn't fair. It didn't do anything. You do bring up a good point though about not actually showing that. <clears throat> I was just like, hmm. And you know, you never know because we have an entire Ironheart series to explore. Um, mm. I just, I, I, I wasn't a big fan of the format of Black Widow going back to what was happening before. Like, I don't want to see them go back to Riri's origin story leading into Wak- Wakanda Forever. I want to see. I do, I do you think
0: the Ironheart series is going to be backwards or just building off of where I'm she's hoping
2: at? I'm hoping not but the only reason why I think it might be is because we know the TV shows have a smaller budget and mm. you know that if she's Ironheart she's in that vibranium wakanda suit and you know well, that no, that they, wakanda they suit it. costs a lot of money but, to animate well that that was what i, I think w- that
0: was a key line i think that was a key line so she'll go back she's got to start from scratch but building the thing is, something I of want, her own
2: i want her to have it because i want that Ironheart show to be like an okoye mentorship like like mm. don't have the main people from Wakanda in it but she's met okoye they have a rapport okoye has that kind of authority figure over her She's going to be trying to learn things. She's going to be going through growing pains of being a superhero and dealing with the idea of it's going to be very similar to when when Peter Parker loses the suit and Tony's telling him that the suit doesn't make the man. And I feel like it's going to be a thing. I mean, not that I feel like I would love to see it be a thing where Okoye comes back to kind of give her some guidance, help her through. Let her learn to use what she has and her resources. Leading up to last couple episodes, <clears throat> all right, you've earned it. You are more than the suit now. Let's put you back in this badass suit and let's get get you fighting some real threats. Like I, I would love to see that. I would love to see an Okoye mentorship mentorship. That also could just be my bias because I freaking love Okoye and Denai <laughs> Guerrera and like I, I, I could see her acting. and literally anything um but I mean I I think it would be great and they have such great chemistry and just to hear like Okoye being so serious and her cracking jokes at like Okoye the entire time like the way she was when they were in the dorm room like her being that lighthearted and kind of very similar to the dynamic of the Hawkeye show where Clint is like hyper serious and Kate Mm. is more funny I feel like that formula works They didn't execute it the best in Hawkeye. Hawkeye was a decent show. But I feel like when you have chemistry like Okoye and Riri that is established, you don't have to establish the relationship like they did in Hawkeye. And you could go right into, like, how funny would it be if the first conflict and how Okoye starts to mentor her is Riri is scrambling, she's stressed out, and she goes to walk into the bathroom, and who walks out of the bathroom again? But Okoye, and she's like, damn, again?! like you always <laughs> just hide in bathrooms. Like there's there are just endless possibilities. Um but I will say that the movie made me really optimistic for Ironheart because I think that I, when it comes to comic books, I think that the casting was was dead on. Dead yeah. on the the sass, the charisma, the like the the comedic lighthearted tone. Now all we got to do Is sign Robert Downey Jr. back to another picture deal so she could be mentored (laughs) by not Okoye, but Hologram Iron Man like she was in the comic books. And then, oh man. And then we'll be fine. And then we'll get a Marvel Legends figure of Hologram Iron Man and a Funko Pop, and all will be well in the universe. All right.
0: So, so listen real quick. We've had three mega MCU nerds. Talking talking a lot about this movie.
2: Yeah, I was and going for Nemo, too.
0: Nemo, one thing you don't know about our dear friend, John, is despite being so pop culture immersed, he still managed to be so clueless and just learned last year that MCU films had two end credit scenes. So that's how behind oh. this man is on the mcu john you've been really quiet throughout this I, I gotta hear your take on on black panther a little bit because john is notorious for having some some interesting Hot opinions on the things. <laughs> so i've been and, i've
1: been watching and wait the... real quick
2: john before you start before you start i just want somebody you will automatically win listener of the week next week if you can accumulate if you can add up all of the time the total amount of minutes of end credit scenes that John missed over the course of the first four phases of the MCU it's going to be like an hey, hour yo. like an hour long movie of end credit scenes but john yep yeah i'm 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 excited i, I i'm not going to say i'm excited i'm cautiously interested <laughs> to hear what you have to say
0: yeah so well actually the, the biggest question john have you seen black panther 2 <laughs>
1: Yeah, I went and watched it yesterday. I just had to make sure. Uh, I went and watched so it yesterday. The I, definition
0: of projects uh, do tomorrow. It, do, it doesn't have Michael Michael B. Jordan in 90% of the movie. We're just going to make sure we got the right movie.
2: No,
1: Who I'm, was
0: the bad guy?
1: It's, uh, some Aquaman looking dude. But So, so I two things... I knew there was a end. I've repeated this million times. I knew there was one end credit scene, so I've seen half the end credit scenes. That's why I said the second. I didn't know. I didn't know there was a second one. Yeah. Oh, okay. I've been tuned out. And another thing, I gave you the credit. I've been watching the time on this podcast. I haven't said a single word since the fifteen minute mark. John, we have (laughs) the finger thing. That's gonna sound. I know. I know. But But... I'm just. I'm just saying it's funny listening because like you guys started ranting on about shit that I'm like. I'm over here like scrolling Twitter, like I don't I'm know. I'm gonna what tell the you right now Johnson Man who church. Jason was. <laughs> yeah, I texted Cole because I didn't want to like interrupt or sound mean, but I didn't like I don't I've never watched Power Rangers a day in my life. So I, I didn't texted know who Cole, Jason I was like, was. Who's this Jason guy they're talking about? And he was like, Oh, it's the green power. Rangers. I'm like, Oh, like I know what Power Rangers are, but I never watched Power Rangers I just never got into it. I just knew what my thing. But anyways, yeah. we're not gonna keep going on tangents here. We're gonna talk about Black Panther two, in my opinion. So I, wa- I went not watch the movie yesterday, 2 o'clock showtime. It wasn't very packed. I was happy for that. Got to sit on the end where I liked. Got my good seat. I was pretty annoyed. I didn't buy a popcorn and a soda. It was like $15 for a small popcorn and a soda. Uh, these movies are charging ridiculous amount of prices for a popcorn and a soda. They yeah. lost their goddamn mind. Um, so my experience already started off pretty shitty. I was really excited for a popcorn and a soda. I really was. Don't drink a lot of soda. Um. <laughs> What the fuck so is the movie, on? I I will say I really enjoyed the start of the movie. I I did, and I and I'm curious to know. And I like I don't pay attention to that much detail to movies like y'all do. Like I enjoyed the movie for what it was. I I, I give it a. I'm just gonna bluntly say it, and you guys can roll with it when I'm done. I give it a seven point five out of ten. It's. And that's coming from somebody who doesn't really pay attention to like, you know, the music and all the other BS that it's involved into the movie. Like I watched it and as just a Marvel movie lover, I watched it thinking, why did they start this movie off with like Shuri running around the lab confused, like not confused because I was confused, like trying to figure out how to save T'Challa's life why not and maybe they did this out of respect for like the family and Chadwick Boseman himself um I wish they would have sorted the movie out with like a fight scene and explained like how he actually dies within the MCU and the comics or something but again maybe they did that just out of respect and not like CGI him in or not like And they didn't have to even show his face. They could have CGI'd, like, uh, just him in a Black Panther costume or something. It just shows something like, oh, this is how he died. Because as someone, like, and I think this is the biggest problem with the MCU, is that they stay so focused to, like, people who are diehards, which is fine. But what about, like, the regular people? I guess you could say, like, the not diehards or just regular fans of the MCU? Because if I'm watching that as somebody who's, like, obviously everybody knows Chadwick Boseman died. But I want to know, like, how does he die in the MCU? Like, how did he actually die in the MCU? And maybe if I read a comic book, it would answer my question. And it's, and maybe, like I said, maybe it was just like a respect thing to the family and to the cast and to like the fans. We're not going to try and CGI somebody they who say is.
0: It. Dead. To, to be fair, they say it. Well, it see, I didn't say that. I mean.
2: Like you said, the entire you you time he's talking, I'm sitting
1: like, you're, here, like, like people aren't paying it. much attention to that. They're trying to figure like there's so much. It's there's they, so much going on at the beginning of this movie that y- you're not really paying attention to the dialogue. You're trying to figure out what the hell Shuri's doing. It, it,
0: it was it was a rare it was a rare illness. And then as far as what you're saying about like not okay. showing him or showing the Panther suit, I, I feel like that that move not only out of respect is also comes from kind of recent years and different things with different movies and even ones with which is fine I, I like i'm Disney's cool with wheelhouse it. i'm totally cool yeah with not it. showing him at all i felt like was more respectful yeah, because like you think about the people that get mad at um like characters who have died like cgi tarkin like hey that guy's yeah. long dead like you shouldn't have done that cgi carrie fisher like people have gotten mad at like the deep fake, even though even though we can do it to such an believable yeah, extent like, these I'm, days, I'm
1: cool with it. There's, I was there's just, a fine line. I was that was, was one of the first things I thought of when yeah, watching showing it. Was like why why didn't they like think of this? Yeah, for the not showing movie-goers?
2: him was was the better no, way to go. I, I, I don't totally, think it had showing to do him CGI dying. I budget. Might have been really distasteful.
1: I totally like, agree because yeah. I have other opinions of this movie it that like I just I just don't like. I have opinions of this movie that but are extremely strong in a way. Yeah, he died of an illness. He came
0: back. He came back from the blip. He was sick. They say it. And there's not. They don't okay. need to go deep into it because they didn't. The, the it wasn't meant to focus on what happened as much as just what where we are. Yeah, because like the, I, this, this I, what I has missed. Happened. That just I like, was he, trying to figure out like he what didn't want people to doing. focus on what was happening to him, but just acceptance of what was going to happen, and then and then moving on, um, and, and stuff like that. And Nemo, Nemo's go ahead. got up, yeah. some stuff yeah. to say
3: yeah um so JD, I think what th- this is where the power of context comes into play. yeah,, um, and I think your opinion just comes from such a surface level mm-hmm. um, viewing of things yeah. <clears throat> and sometimes when when you're diving into such an intricate movie like Wakanda Forever you really have to get get deep in there and one thing i i i want to leave you with maybe it'll help i don't think necessarily it was about how he died it was less about how he died and more about how his death has impacted
1: okay that, yeah, the that, people of wakanda yeah, that, his family that's a, good, that's a good look so the
3: reason so the reason why that was so important because like uh, again like yeah i totally agree it would would have been in very bad taste oh, to like cgi yeah, I, yeah. him or show his his death i'm not saying they should but, have
1: it would have been terrible if they did been yeah
3: awful. so the I i totally agree with that but at the same time it's like it doesn't matter how somebody died. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you know how they died or not. All that matters, and and phase four in general is all about grief, it's a trauma phase, and how tra- and and trauma, trauma um, and how we process loss. So knowing that it was just like how he died, kind of not that it, his death doesn't matter. It's just like how his death impacted yeah, the, the impact and of his reason death like, on so,
1: Wakanda and the world alone. I yeah. And yeah. the reason why it was See, so I'm, heavy. See, I'm the Star because... Wars guy with that stuff. I'm not the Marvel yeah. guy.
3: <laughs> and the reason why that was so heavy is because since we love Chadwick Boseman so much, the fact that they decided to, you know, parallel that to is because viewing that impacted us as an audience and it impacted the fictional characters behind that fourth wall. Yeah. So, like I said before, it, it it's a matter of
1: how they impacted it. So. Yeah, yeah, I just and, um, I just kind of watch the movies for like an enjoyment. I don't really look too much detail. I try to, like, I really do, series. but like I get so confused because I'm like, like I didn't know the the agent lady is like Madam Hydra. Like I would have, I like I didn't know any of that. I don't even know what the Thunderbolt. I don't know are. that. I
0: didn't know that either. I have no clue at any of. To that be it's. fair.
1: Like that's where I stand in like the Marvel stuff. Yeah, I'm just an MCU guy. I Watched the movie. I'm like, oh, that was great. The beginning of the movie was beautiful. It was great. I loved it. I loved the music when they were, you know, parading down the streets. I thought that was awesome. Like I loved the whole billboard of him. Like it was. I thought that was incredible how they did it. Like I loved
2: it. Nico. Um. Yeah. So again, it's just it's just more to what uh Nemo said about like complexities. Uh, there was. It, it, it was a very complex theme to handle and to even tackle his death and aftermath was already, you're putting yourself behind because it's incredibly hard to do in a tasteful way. But I think the one thing that people really need to realize is that yes, while this movie was a tribute to Chadwick Boseman and T'Challa, the movie was not about the death of Chadwick or T'Challa it was about the trauma of the people who loved him, and that say it again is what Let's I say think it again. they did so fucking well because you put Leticia Wright at the front, the forefront of it. I am a fan of Michael B. Jordan. This might be an unpopular opinion. I think that as Eric Killmonger, there were scenes where he overacted a bit scenes not mm. the movie See, that's the type of shit i don't pay there, attention to there were scenes where he went a little too hard there was none of that with Letitia wright's performance it was just the right mm. amount of tragedy it was just the right amount of trauma it, and and obviously it's lended to it because it's real it is real but one one of the things i compared it to and it's really weird is when i don't know if anybody's ever watched glee But when the lead actor on Glee passed away and they did the tribute episode to him, it was the best acting in the entire series because all of the reactions were raw and real. And the way that Letitia Wright and Angela Bassett harnessed those emotions and told a story about trauma and loss and grief and dealing with losing somebody that important to you. Hit so hard. A lot of people know, just a little under a year ago, I I lost my nephew. And I've lost a lot of people. I've lost a lot of friends. I've lost family members. Nothing has hit like my nephew. I'm the guy who always jokes about it. And I always make jokes about death and passing and how life isn't permanent. and, And I'm the guy who jokes everything off. I cannot joke about my nephew. I can barely talk about him. I could barely read about him or think about him. And Shuri had to go through that entire arc of not being able to cope with your grief. My, remember, from the death scene to the main conflict is a one-year period. It is very hard to grieve somebody that important in one fucking year. Yeah, it's impossible. It, it, and I can tell you, because I'm going through it right now, and yep. it almost helped me. It, 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 mm. it, it, it put a little bit into perspective of like some of the anger I'm carrying about it and a lot of uh, a theme I've been waiting to touch on until the end and a lot of the survivor's guilt I've been feeling. I don't tell many people mm. this, but the night my nephew passed, uh, he called me and it was late at night and I was asleep. And I had a pregnant, she's now my wife, but I had a pregnant fiance at the time. And I was stressed about work. And you never think that that's going to be the last time somebody calls you. And I'm not sure if it was, but I very well possibly was the last person he called. And you sit and you think, what could I have done? How could I have changed it? If I had answered the phone, maybe things would be different. If I had answered the phone, maybe he wouldn't do what he did seeing Shuri feel that and feel that survivor's guilt. It, it, it was a different level of trauma that spoke to me in such a way that I haven't even really talked about that on social media. I'm kind of just getting real right here. Cause it's a lot of people that yeah. I know and trust in this chat. And obviously it's going to go out to more people, but this is an intimate space right now. And you don't think mm-hmm. about who's listening. You just think about the four people you're talking to. Seeing her deal with with that like anger and specifically the survivor's guilt, it made me realize a little bit, and it's weird because everybody, my wife, my parents, his parents, my other nieces and nephews, a million times have told me, there's nothing you could have done. There's nothing that could have changed it. You could have answered that call and everything could have still went down the same way. You can't put it on yourself. You can't put it on yourself. No matter how many times they say that to me, it doesn't mean a damn thing. To see yeah. a third per- a third party go through that and watch her have all these people tell her you need to grieve, you need to move on, you're harnessing too much anger. And to see her be like, yo, fuck y'all. You don't do you realize what I lost? I lost everything. Yeah. And you just want me to be okay? I was I was the person who was smart enough to fix things. I was the person who could have recreated the heart-shaped nerve and saved him. Why didn't I save him? I deal with that thought every day of my life. And that is why I love movies because they also make you feel like you're not alone. And they deal with real themes that people really need to see. And there have yeah. been people who came to me and asked me about Wakanda forever. And I told them that the way they dealt with trauma, grief and loss will make that movie hold the most special place in my heart of, of, of most of the MCU movies. And we've seen people die in the MCU and we've seen loss in the MCU, but Chadwick Boseman was a real person who really died, who really suffered in silence, who was really loved by these people who really grieved through the performances in this movie. So I'm going to end my thoughts before we go into the mini game. I'm going to let you guys finish what you have to say. I'm gonna end my thoughts with Bravo and I said it in my review thank you to Ryan Coogler because you at least made one person feel like they weren't losing their absolute minds of being the only person dealing with survivors guilt right now and that's all I have to say and and my final thought is the end mint credit scene made me cry so hard. <laughs> When oh he said, God. "I am Prince T'Challa, son of King T'Chaka," I was like, <laughs> "Oh, when said, when she brought him out." No, dude,
0: dude. The can we join you now? I'm like, oh, you no, no, no. You knew right away that was. That was it. Yeah. I was done. Uh, Nemo, you you had thoughts on what ne- uh, Nico just yeah.
3: said? Yeah. Um. Well, first off, Nico, I had no idea about your nephew. Um. And I just want to say I'm like so sorry about that. Um. And you know, you always got a friend in me. So if you need to talk about anything, like I'm literally always here whenever of you course. have my number. Of course. Like you're like a brother to me now. So don't be afraid. Um. And I remember sharing like a personal experience of mine um my a good friend of mine from high school his name well mm, i shouldn't say his name but i had a friend in high school um his little sister was actually um battling cancer Mm. but she also loved comic books and my good friend he was like bro i have no idea anything about comic books you know a lot of comic books you know you should come you know um talk to my sister So, um, he FaceTimed her, you know, we talked or whatever. I was like, you know what, let me come visit you or whatever. Um, so I visit her at the hospital, uh, one day, I think it was like a weekend, like the weekend before Thanksgiving, like back in like, I want to say 2013, 2014, something like that. Um, and we just chopped it up, bro. Like we were just having fun talking about, you know, superheroes and stuff like that. And I was told they're like, you know, I'm gonna come back and visit you again. Like, you know what I'm saying? So time and time went on. And lo and behold, before I got the chance to go visit her again, I found out that she passed away. Like she lost a battle with cancer. You never know what so was. It time. was you know, and so like that thought in my head, I was just like, I I actually should have gotten up to go see her one last time before, you know, she she passed. So that kind of like that like really, really hurt. You know what I'm saying? And to bounce off of what Nico said, like Shuri losing everything and like people just expecting her to be okay with it. I don't know if y'all remember that one line when she was talk I th- I don't know if she was talking to Killmonger in the ancestral plane or somebody else, but she was just like, Oh no, she was talking to um Nakia and she was just like, What's the point of having this gift of knowledge and not being able to save mm. my own brother? You know what I'm saying? That hit so fucking hard, bro. Like I was I was crying, I was shaking, like, you know, I went with um one of my friends, and like, I was literally, I literally grabbed her arm, I was just, I was like a literal baby, so like, just, just feeling that survival's guilt, like Nico said, it was, it was just, such, it was just like, the movie's so fucking yeah. real,
2: dude, it's so real, yeah.
3: it, and, and, you felt like you were there with them,
0: you know? That, that line is, it's just exactly what Nico talked about earlier, the exposition, like, that exactly what you're talking about that line right there is what gave you a, like as much understanding as you needed, if you hadn't figured it out by that point of what Shuri's issue was. It's just like, cause I mean, if you, if you think about it and you like, you really kind of go in like th- with the gears turning are just like, okay, yeah, she's the smart one. It's clear. I mean, from that opening scene, they, they set it up in the opening scene. So you either get it there. Like she's free. She's stressed. She's trying to save her brother in the very last minutes, and she doesn't even go see him. Then it's mm. it goes right in line with um, if anyone's seen Onward. If you've seen Disney's
3: Onward, wait, with, I've seen like a couple minutes of that movie, but I didn't. See oh, the whole you thing. need to
0: go. You need to go watch Onward. Onward is <laughs> okay. Pixar underrated. Onward is, is Pixar trauma. It is. <laughs> it is top five for me. It, it is the trailers did not do it justice. And then COVID happened. Mm. And so it just didn't have a good theater run. A lot of people didn't talk about it because the world went to crap. And so it didn't really get a chance to be talked about. Oh, great love Onward. Go watch Onward. But it's just, I'm and I'm sorry, I'm saying part of it, but there's a big part about not like saying goodbye. And that's exactly what the thing with Shuri too is, Is like, Closure. you were so focused on trying to save your brother that you didn't go say goodbye to your brother. So then there's mm. the, that survivor's guilt is even more guilt because she didn't she didn't go say goodbye because she was trying to save him and and stuff like that. So feeling helpless, it takes an even bigger toll on her because it's like she like it, it consumed her. And we see that throughout the movie, and then she's still kind of consumed by that. And also just kind of going back to what Nico's talking about with like how the movie hit and the fact that they actually dealt with this, I think a good way of looking at it is was like with with any movie, whether it's a comedy or anything, you you always get those like bloopers or you find out in articles or when people go on late shows like, oh, you know, that famous line that everyone loves that made the movie or that famous moment that everyone thought was just so heartwarming or or funny that was improvised that that happened on the spot. Like and then just like, oh, once you think about that real element to it, and even though that's a lighthearted example, it's just like it makes it so much more special because it's not scripted. So then when you take that same concept of how we feel and react to hearing that something wasn't scripted and it just happened naturally, take that and then apply the fact that their mourning on screen is not acting. It's it. This movie yeah. had a position to be a complete work of fiction, but was in a situation where what it was delivering to you was 100% real emotion for what actually happened that's not acting and like the more i thought about that and like the ending for me like the beginning was was so gut-wrenching for that reason but then the ending too i'm just like this is just it is it is so sad because i'm you're seeing her sitting there on the on the beach crying and it's just like that that's not acting that is real she's sitting here and then they showed you those flashback scenes you're showing us scenes which are not only just scenes those are memories she had with Chadwick on set. So there's a whole other like element to what you are seeing, and I'm just it just
2: yeah I was was
0: gut wrenching, um and just incredible. And John, you're you're the last one overall. How the movie ended? Thoughts, opinions? We didn't even talk about it no more.
1: Uh, I mean, it was oh, it we'll was do it next.
0: We we'll haven't. Let's just do it again next week. We don't know what we're talking about next week. We'll save or. John, if you want to push,
2: no, we're, we 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 owe John, we owe John, but we'll yeah, just we owe John, we owe John a John based episode. We'll just throw <laughs> in there the fact that the movie I've was been so in movie hell for three weeks that we didn't even get to touch on a fantastic MCU villain who and and, and honestly we don't have to touch on it that much because the only scene we really have to talk about is that final scene in the last battle where they're showing the parallels between Shuri and Namor. fantastic Chef's Kiss, beautiful. Good counterpart villain that didn't just have the exact same powers as the hero. Love to see I it. I
0: think he was a villain.
2: I agree.
1: Uh, well, he wanted to the, like murder the movie everybody, the, but... the movie was good from an yeah. average uh, moviegoer standpoint view, whatever. Um, my takeaway from it, I, I really thought the movie was really slow and there were parts where I really oh. did almost fall asleep a few times. So that's just me though. And that's why I gave it a seven and a half. Other than that, the fight scenes were badass. Sherry's the black Panther uh it's super dope super cool opening scene was great it was badass good job
0: all right well with that note we're going to roll into our little mini game to wrap up this episode and keeping on theme with it being marvel related we are going to go through phase four aka the trauma phase and I'm just gonna—we're gonna go in order, and I just want everyone to give me your your ranking out of ten. John, you've already given us your Black Panther two uh, <laughs> ranking, but we're just gonna go through, and ultimately, we're just gonna see where how this conversation as a whole ranks. Trauma Phase.
2: I think you mean and rating
0: just kind of where is if anyone the has movie. there's if there's differencing uh, differing opinions on certain movies. So obviously, the first movie in in Phase Four. Was Black Widow? Um, I personally, hmm, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a six out of ten. I enjoyed it, but it it's not it's not one of those Marvel movies I ever really like. Feel like just turning on while I'm doing stuff, and there's most of the MCU is that way. I will turn a Marvel movie on just in the background while I'm working or something like that, and that's kind of towards the bottom of the list for me as far as
2: whether I turn it on or not, uh, Nico. Um, I can't outright say that it was like horrible or the worst movie I've ever seen. I kind of set like, I set that bar at fan four stick. Um, stick is like legitimately one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life. There's no redeeming qualities. The performances are good, but the movie is so ass. Like I, I could not believe it was as bad as it was. Um, so that's kind of where I set my bar when it comes to like a movie being absolute shit. Uh, Black Widow I didn't feel that way about but I saw it once and I have had no desire to watch it since uh, I think that putting it just so randomly placed it kind of took the stakes away and for it to be a Black Widow movie it upset me that it really just felt like a Yelena movie and we waited so long for Scarlett Johansson to get her flowers and to get the oh, yeah. appreciation to lead a movie and then you make it a buddy cop movie with Florence Pugh. And I'm sorry, if you're on screen with Florence Pugh, there's a good chance you're going to get out acted um, yeah. because she is. <laughs> All right, so where do we put it next? You? I'm going to I'm going to say it's a five point five. Uh, five point five. bro.
3: I was I was literally going to say the same thing, bro. Like literally I, five, whoops. like exactly five point five. All right, Nemo. And what's your reasoning for five point five? um because of the placement in which the movie came in i felt like literally word for word what nico said it just kind of took away from that effectiveness because as not not just as a comic book fan but as an mcu fan specifically we already had this love and affection for black widow you know what i'm saying we already cared for her so much and we already respected her so much so Maybe if she wasn't already pushed off as a cliff. well, yeah, like <laughs> that too. Maybe if she wasn't as yeah, we um, already had her. Maybe trauma. if she wasn't received as well before, and they use this movie to like regain um, uh, the audience respect for the character, then it would have been, you know. But I feel like this movie should have came out before, and hundred um, percent should have came out after Winter Soldier. Between Winter Soldier and Civil War, yeah,
2: John. John. I can't uh, watch Wait, let's play. Has John seen it?
1: Yeah, I've seen it. The movie, the movie was a six. It was terrible. <laughs> well, six is terrible, but John, the only I, reason listen, I get the only reason I give it a six you. is because the end scene was pretty good, like the the end fight scene where they're like in the clouds, like Cloud City fighting or whatever. Besides that, the movie was dog shit. <laughs> so, what's the next one? All
0: right
2: dog shit all right next, here next
0: in the the trauma phase we had shang chi that i <laughs> i did not have any expectation i had no expectation Ooh, going into shang chi uh i absolutely love the lead actor uh Sima Liu. is a little obsession of mine and it's not even the same kind it's comedy i was like this i was like all right stepping into stepping into serious role I was skeptical with Aquafina because she's always in just really comedic stuff and everything like that. So I'm just like, you I hope too- do you ever see the TikToks?
2: Do you ever see the Aquafina TikToks where it's no. like, nobody, Aquafina during every movie? And it's like, ooh, damn, girl. I talk like this because I think I'm funny. <laughs> like, it's so bad. <laughs> it's, so, it's so funny. Hey, they make hey, hey, Aquafina like on TikTok so bad.
0: I'm. Um, I'm giving it a nine. Uh I feel like there were some slow parts or some things that maybe could have been explained a little bit better. Like some points kind of I, I feel like they they lost they were lost a little bit, like they didn't they didn't touch on it enough or it was weird. I love I love that little creature that hangs out with with um mand- with uh the Mandarin, the fake Mandarin, but man, the something about not having a face was weird. Oh it was God, weird. It name? was a it I was a weird cre- it was a weird creative decision because I just I got a little too focused on wait a minute, how does this thing function as a living creature that's supposed to digest food <laughs> and stuff like that? <laughs> I get fixated on sci fi stuff like that, and that thing was illogical yeah. to me and it took away a little bit. So oh, I'm giving it, it a nine because of uh, of Maurice. That was his name right, Maurice.
2: Okay. No, 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 no. It's um Morris, Morris. Morris. Yeah. I love Morris- I love I love okay, Morris, but, uh, but Morris
0: confused the living daylights out of me. I loved All right, his... Nico, Shang-Chi.
2: Morris's chemistry with Ben Kingsley, the man, the fake Mandarin, was was just fantastic. It was so funny. Um, did you it ever was. see the behind-the-scenes... It was, behind it was the a scenes... good comedic part to the movie. Did you ever see the behind-the-scenes interviews with uh, Ben Kingsley talking about how Morris was, like, an actual physical prop? And he, like... It didn't look like Morris, but it looked a little bit similar. And he, like, grew, like, an so attachment it to it. Butt. And he took it, it with him, like, butt. wherever he went. And he's talking about it in the interview. He's like, this is my little guy. I really love him, like I did in the movie. Like, it's so funny. Um, Shang-Chi is fire to me. That movie is fire as hell. Uh, I-, I agree with you. There are some lost points. But, like, it- it's just a really good movie with awesome combat. And a uh, really fleshed-out story. Um, an empathetic villain, a really good villain, good setup for the future. And, uh, and, and just some of the best hand to hand combat we've ever seen. Uh, seemingly as a front man is going to be huge and I would have no problem with them putting him at the forefront of the new Avengers team. Uh, one of like the new big three. Uh, I also went in with no expectations. Cole, I have the same score as you. It's a, it's a nine flat for me. Um, I think every movie has room for improvement. There's very few movies I think are a ten out of ten. I am going with nine points, point one, point two, but I think a nine flat is a really good score. Uh, it's like okay, it's a good movie, really, really good movie. Uh, one of easily top three in Phase Four, uh, maybe top two. Yeah, Nemo.
3: Um, I'm gonna have to agree. Uh, nine out of ten. Um, only because I knew of uh Shang Chi. Um, But I never read like a solo Shang-Chi comic book before. I've only read what he has appeared in. So, you know, um, like Mr. Beard said, like, I literally went and watched, like, no expectations whatsoever. And I think that's some of the, like, best movie going experience you'll ever have with, like, not expecting anything. Yeah, for Um, sure. So, you know, the only reason why it's not like a perfect 10 out of 10 movie for me is the, um... The actor for that ninja dude with the mask—I forget his name.
0: That character I confused forget. me. It felt like it was a bigger character than they than they made yeah. it out to be. Yeah, they so the shit out of that the re-
3: So I, for me personally, I have a really big gripe of things being placed where it doesn't need to be placed. Like, if you took that guy out of the movie, it still would have been just as good. Same big.
0: movie. If he had, you know thought, if yeah. he no had fought
2: just some random martial arts goon in the scaffolding scene, it would have hit just as hard. Right. What's the name? So oh, that's the that's Death Dealer. Or if we, we would have had some like, climax name. with that guy. Mm, death Dealer. His name is Death okay. Dealer. He so deals it's... no death. He doesn't deal <laughs> any death. He's the worst Death Dealer <laughs> I've ever seen.
3: And so, like, it's just like, yeah, it's cool, but like when I saw the trailer, I thought that was gonna be the villain. So I guess the reason why I don't give it a, like a perfect ten out of ten, just for the simple fact True. of misguided. Of it, it's yeah. just um, that was fa- not false. Yeah, Deadpool. not false marketing, but just like misdirecting
2: marketing. Red herring. He was. He was. Yeah. He was, like, he was yeah, a yeah, McGuffin. Yeah, yeah. He was a MacGuffin. Yeah. John.
1: Uh, I give it an eight. John, how we feel? I give it an eight. It was good. And it was funny. It was cool scenes. Simple as that. Okay, short Man and sweet. Many words.
0: Uh, next, next we have Eternals, which is by far probably one of the most controversial of the Phase Four movies. There was Nemo and I have say, strong
2: opinions. Strong Ooh. opinions. I
0: love, I love Eternals. I Listen, will fight I, for
2: this damn movie.
0: <laughs> I thought, I thought it was a great movie. Yes. The only, literally, one of the only things I have a problem with in that movie is the very end. I think the Icarus cliche flying into the sun was ridiculous. Mm. That was stupid to me. Like it was was just such a cop. I know. That was my problem with it. Exactly. That was my problem with it. I'm like, okay, really? Like that, that's too much. That was too on the nose for his name and everything like that. And, but I mean, I loved it. Um, The, the, I love any kind of sci-fi that gives you like the, the the timeline of like the history of the world kind of stuff and explains it well. And I felt like they did that. It had a good, it gave the flashback scenes, the understanding of where they came from and how they influenced society. I loved how they gave us that. They didn't give too much of it. They didn't give too little of it. It was a solid movie. And the fight with Icarus was Ooh great. Boy. I loved the, the fight with Icarus came out of nowhere. I was that like, this, was like so they were on good. a whole other level for that fight. I love it. Uh, ending's a little, a little cop out. Um, I, I'm giving this one a nine as well. I just, I thoroughly enjoy Eternals. I think the the storytelling was great. I want more of it. I, I have strong feelings with anyone that tells me that movie was trash.
2: <laughs> oh, uh, bro, you're about which, to come to me, and I'm about to get man, real passionate.
0: My, my, my <laughs> house is a little divided, and my house is a little divided solely because Kaylee hates how icarus turned out as a character as well because she's like man i wanted richard madden to be the next captain america he could have been a phenomenal character in the mcu it like you know how he says who could lead the avengers kind of thing she wanted him to be that kind of character where he could he could be like a hero because richard madden i mean it's rob stark if you're a game of thrones fan and then he's also the bodyguard the bodyguard's phenomenal he could have been something great in the mcu had he been something different he delivered icarus great he killed himself off really badly. I'm giving you a 9 out of 10.
2: Um, Nico? First of all, tell Kaylee this little bit, bit of information. As a comic book fan, we know there is no room for Icarus as that character in the MCU. Because we got the boys <laughs> like Sentry and Hyperion on the way. Okay? So we got our evil Superman Coming to the MCU real soon. We got Adam Warlock coming in Guardians 3. We got these crazy cosmic level characters. Yeah, talk about a glow up. So, but, I'm with you 9 out of 10. Solid. I'll get that out of the way. I will fight and die for this movie till the end. Nemo has seen me go crazy (laughs) over this shit. Because so many people can tell you that Eternals is trash. Ask them why. Nobody ever has a fucking reason. Yep. Nobody has a reason. Two two comic book TikTokers said it wasn't good. And guess what? The power of influence. I do not understand it. First of all, it has that great storytelling. It's directed by an Oscar winner, Chloe Zhao. It has some of the best CGI, minute for minute, in the oh entire God, MCU. It's nice. clean beautiful the entire thing even the deviants bro the deviants could have looked so clunky and ugly and they were still a stupid villain and they still look good as shit literally like like I, I won't say they were a stupid villain because they weren't really the villain at the end of the day it was icarus but like they could have looked so bad and the cgi was beautiful and i am sorry but i might put that as one of my favorite fight scenes in all of comic book media and Ever, And it is because of this, this, this woman right here, Macari. this woman right here, the first ever Marvel yes. Legends figure I got. I collected Funko Pops for a while. And now I have a lot of action figures. The first Marvel Legends I ever got was Makari because this is one of my favorite characters in the MCU. And she doesn't speak, bro. She doesn't speak. <laughs> she doesn't speak. The way she put it on Icarus in that last fight, the way she put it on, bro. There is nothing I love more than a speedster scene that's not in fucking slow motion, because every speedster scene Mm. is in slow motion. The way she was running up on him, bro! Oh my god, she was hitting it right, left, right, left. She was coming from every which way, beating this boy. And then he 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 gets some shots in, and Fastos is like, "Uh, -uh, sorry, bro, eat this." (laughs) Throws that big old mechanical wheel at him. He eats it. Bang. uh, not Athena. Athena comes in. She says, "Slice, slice, 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 dice." They were really, they were really doing this, boy. Like that fight oh, scene is so fire. And and
0: like, so- sorry, Zack Snyder, you and the Justice League movie can sit down. You, hold, A- yo. you hold nothing to that that team superhero team fight like that. Man,
1: yeah, so good.
0: Uh, Nemo, and- where are you? Where do you stand?
3: um i agree not out of 10 um so to touch on the fact that people don't like this movie i think think john's gonna shit on it it's (laughs) so he here's the thing i've talked about i actually made a video about this i think yesterday um i stitched a video on tiktok and this dude is saying like movies are too long nowadays um and i just simply said It's because two reasons. One, people have short attention spans. And number two, people are not used to being runtimes being that long. You know what I'm saying? So, and I think with Eternals. I thought
1: that about Black Panther. I was like, damn, this movie's
3: long as fuck. (laughs) And (laughs) my. And my. With Eternals, it's a very specific situation. And the reason why that is, is because since it's placed after the whole, you know, Infinity Saga era, since phase one, we've been getting nothing but 90% action and 10% dialogue. Yeah. But now that in phase four, it's 80% dialogue and 20% action. Cough, cough, So pokey. once you... <laughs> so once you continuously provide somebody with the same thing over and over again they're gonna grow accustomed to it so eternals was literally the perfect example of people not wanting something they're not used Mm -hmm. to you know what i'm saying because they gave great story through dialogue but you know to be honest with you a lot of people are not trying to hear dialogue they just want to see fight 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 fight, you know you know and to me that you know Sorry for being blunt here, but it's the stupidest shit ever, Mm -hmm. you know, because the whole point of comic books is you're reading literal
0: dialogue. It's the reason why Scorsese
2: hates comic book movies. So I think, you know,
0: that's the perfect segue point. So, John, being someone who wants fight, 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 (laughs) what do you, what do you rank Eternals?
1: (laughs) You can't trash a movie when you haven't seen the movie. I knew it.
2: Oh,
3: no, we
1: (laughs) forgot to ask you.
2: I knew it. <laughs> when he was making faces, I was like, John has no input. Dag.
1: only thing I you know about Eternals so is there's a bunch of dudes that look like they, they, they're they all in colorful suits and now there's a giant stone head hanging out the earth that no one has answers to. It's all I know That's about
2: Eternals. Oh John with the full spark well, notes, there everybody. If you didn't see the movie, John <laughs> just explained it in full, apparently.
1: <laughs> That's all yep, I
0: know. Sparkly suits and a giant head sticking so out of the
1: ocean. You can't it. trash it when
2: you Have haven't you? seen it. I'm honestly so happy he hasn't seen it. I'm happy.
0: John, we're, we're watching it when you're in town in a couple weeks. <laughs> okay. So I can explain to you what's happening as it's happening. <laughs> all right. Now to move on to one that we know, I know John has seen. I know we've all seen. Next is No Way Home. Which, man, the internet, the internet had this one pegged since day one and they wanted to tell us we didn't. I swear the the amount of no, no, no they're they're not in the movie. They're not in the movie. I don't know what you're talking about. This movie was. I thought I was only gonna give it to a later movie, but I mean, I don't want to quite. I don't know. I'm gonna give it a ten. I I'm honestly gonna give it a ten. I loved I loved No Way Home. I loved No Way Home. I'm trying to think of a problem I have with the storytelling in it or the progression to give it less than a 10.
2: Mm, we're going to have some differing opinions here. Uh,
0: yeah. I'm, no, I'm going to go down to a 9.5. I'm sure there are things that I had a problem with. I'm just not recalling at the moment. But I thought I thought it was an interesting concept. It might have been a bit much for some people to grasp, well, like bringing in everything from the other, other worlds and everything like that. And a, and a little bit much there, but I think it's crucial as far, cause that like, we talk about this phase being the trauma phase, but it's also, it's, it's the trauma phase, but I think the overarching thing about all these movies is, is the world building in regards to as long as, as well as the shows, like we're only talking about phase four, like movies here. I didn't include the shows. I didn't think oh, okay. the shows, um, but I mean, everything combined, a, a big overarching theme has been like other dimensions, other multiverses. Like every it's show been, is it's a seven very besides much, Moon Knight. It's it's been world it's been world building, um, on a very deep level that I I think they do lose the need to explain that to only MCU watchers, like what John talked about having some issues with. Uh, so I'll, I'll say a 9.5. I thoroughly liked it. I like Spider-Man. And that's apparently this is where the controversy is going to come in. Nico?
2: So I have two favorite characters. In, one in DC, one in, in Marvel. Uh, in Marvel Comics, Spider-Man is my favorite character. In the MCU, Thor is my favorite character. Um, mm. In Marvel Comics, Spider-Man is... is, is portrayed pretty flawlessly. Um, and and I, I love all the stories, whether it's Miles or Miguel O'Hara or my personal favorite, Ben Riley. There are so mm. many great Spider-Man stories. Um, no Way Home felt very plucked out of a comic book um, in what they were able to do with the cameos. One thing I will say is the way people switched up on this movie is fucking bullshit to me. Because... This was the greatest movie in the world when it first came out, and now everybody's trying to call it trash. By no means is this movie trash, y'all. Y'all could kiss my ass on that, but, but, Cole, I have to ask you: Have you seen it at home, not in a theater?
0: I'm pretty sure I did when it first came out. So I think, I think I've watched it once at home.
2: The reason I ask is because. If you had asked me to rate that movie when I was walking out of it, I would have told you an 11 out of 10. Because it was just simply the greatest theater experience of my life. It, it, I've never felt that much energy, the excitement, the fact that they really did it. Great. After watching it at home, it was a bit less exciting. And I think it gets the story. I wouldn't say there's issues. I would say it gets a bit convoluted. There's a lot going on. And I, it's so hard for me to rate this because I know that there's issues with it, but I love it. Like, mm. like I, I actually see clear issues with the movie and with the storytelling that they try to do a lot. And going back and being somebody who's so obsessed with like, the MCU and shit like that, there are, it is riddled with plot holes. There, there are a lot of plot holes and a lot of a lot of things that you kind of have to be like, well, how is this going to work, and how is this going to work, and how is this going to work moving forward? But I love the movie. I've said a million times, you can think a movie's not a ten out of ten and still love it like a ten out of ten. Um, yeah, I I I think that if I balance theater experience with what i think the movie was i think it it still comes out around a 9 out of 10 um i it's okay. it's not my number 1 movie in phase 4 um it I, 9 out of 10 i think it was a really fun and amazing theater experience i think it's not as great when you sit down and watch it as a film
0: i will have to i will do that this week and i'll get back to you on whether i've changed my opinion
3: on it yeah all right Nemo um I give it a solid I want to say I want to say eight like an eight out of ten um and I think the main reason why I, I don't give it like a perfect 10 or not even a nine is because the the hype and this wasn't necessarily like the studio's fault. It was more of like the con- the consumers and the viewers and the audience's fault. They let the hype determine their opinions instead of actually digesting True. the story for themselves. Because if you think about it, I hate to say this because, you know, Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire are the goats. But Tobey Maguire, I mean, uh, Tom Holland's Spider-Man character development as Peter Parker especially at the end of the movie is the best we've seen Peter Parker's development Mm -hmm. in a live action film. Mm -hmm. And that was, that alone could have given uh, uh, this movie a 10 out of 10, but it's the fact that people weren't really there for a Peter Parker story. People were there just to see the cameo of Andrew Garfield and Toby McGuire. And, And, and that's what I hate the most. Like, and I don't mean to be that guy to be like, Oh, the fandom ruined the thing for me. Like, no, I'm, I'm not that guy. But this is a very, very, very rare case where the fandom really did kind of ruin. You know what I'm saying? So in my opinion, See, like objectively, that, it, it's it's an eight out of ten. Yeah. I, I'm um, I'm one
0: of those people that gives it what I give it because I was there for the for the Peter Parker story. I love yes. I love I love Tom Holland as Spider Man. I'm I'm personally in I am in the I am in the camp that Tom Holland is a better in, in my opinion. I personally like Tom a little bit more as, as Peter than even Andrew. I feel like Andrew was great, but they made him—he was a little too cool. Like I, I felt like they made him a little bit more cool, cool than than Peter Parker really should have been. Like he was a little too, like cool guy um, and everything like that. I think I think Garfield as Spider Man is my favorite Spider Man. Period. Him in the suit, period. hands down. Period. Like every every time, with every time for me, it's it's period. the carjacker scene. It's the carjacker where he's like, "Oh no, a knife and everything." Perfect, <laughs> perfect Spider Man. But I, I mean, I was there for Tom's development, and like Garfield and 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 Toby being there, it was just a bonus. And I felt what they added to Tom's grief and understanding from the moment he meets them was great and that's what i was there for i loved it them the rooftop scene with them and the way oh, they talk to him without giving too much details and like what they choose to say i thought was brilliant uh in the in the lab where they do the spider-man like peter like which peter him or, or me and like the way they managed to put peter. add that into the movie things like that i love it um that's why i put it where i put it um but yeah i, I get the fandom ruining it yeah because we even went and saw yeah. it a couple times in theaters and sometimes it was just like the the level of like ah for seeing the other spider-man on screen i was like yeah okay calm down like you you knew this was happening. Right. and andrew barfield is a, later, is a you know. scene
2: stealer and everything he's in he's he's, he's <laughs> a that's scene fair. stealer john okay john One
0: have you hated- seen no way home <laughs>
1: Yeah, I watched it once.
0: Now I have to go back to asking you because you got me <laughs> off guard on the last one.
1: Well, Eternals didn't come out in theaters, so I didn't think it was important. Yes, it did. Yeah. Oh, see, I don't pay attention. I got. I, 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 I have a busy life. It, for me Eternals. to make Twice. for me to make time yesterday to go see Black Panther was big. I have a busy. I have a busy life. Wait,
0: here. wait, okay. I know you said you saw it yesterday. I was hoping that was just a rewatch in preparation for. No, that was the
1: first time I watched it.
3: For... Okay
2: it's all right john okay. we love you all right john no way no home, home. how do you we feel about no way home? faster because we've been on
3: for two hours
0: yeah
1: no way home was listen
0: man we had a guest. no way home Four was people, really longer good. podcast
1: Sounds, uh yeah, makes sense. i like like I, I didn't know like anything about toby and andrew being in the movie so like seeing them was really cool like this even like pop out of like portals and whatnot that was super cool so I give it a nine. It was good. Good fight scenes. I like. I like the rooftop scene as well. I think about that one a lot.
2: Yeah, the trio swing was sick.
1: Yeah, so I was probably yes. the only person in the theater like opening the night seconds. who didn't know that Toby and Andrew were going to be in the movie because I just don't read that down into the rabbit hole.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, a lot of people assumed in the trailer. The trailers doing bad CGI, taking out characters like I. That's what did it for everyone. I think everyone had their kicked. like. Everyone was pretty sure but there was still room for doubt. But then when they were dropped the trailer where a freaking lizard, lizard gets kicked the out of nothing. Kick. I was like, all right, well, that's it. Sorry. You sealed the book on that. We all know they're in the movie. Uh, moving on. The next MCU movie in the trauma phase was Dr. Strange and the multiverse of madness. Oh. This gosh, the buildup, the trailers and the buildup for this movie. Before the release, Sorry. They built, they built it up like it was an end game level movie they built it up so much i was so hopeful i love doctor strange but i just because i have a hard time just absolutely like saying the mcu failed me i'm i'm gonna give it a five i felt like it was half good and then just half trash. Like it was this like oh cool that was a good scene then this not a good scene oh that's cool not no I don't know it was it was a back and forth. The story was so it was all over the place and like there was a lot of like depth to it that I, I feel like yeah it made more sense maybe like some of the some of the stuff that was shown some of the uh, Illuminati things like that things made more sense for. Maybe comic book readers, but it—that's not what the MCU has never been. That like the like the movies mm. should be able to stand on their own, regardless of whether you read a comic. You should be able to understand what's going on. And Dr. Multiverse of Madness just just was too much. And uh, another gimmicky death for me. Like I I do not like I don't like the way it ended for Scarlet. I, I'm not a fan of it. She I know die. she's probably not gone. I'm of. I'm of the opinion that we're probably going to see her again, but it's going to be the Scarlet Witch that she possessed, the one from that universe, um, because they they put her a lot, like there was a lot to do with her in the movie that I felt like it was almost like building up. Like, okay, cool. We're getting rid of the traumatized, um, enhanced Scarlet, and I feel like the new one from that universe is actually going to be a mutant. That's my personal fan theory is it's a way that the MCU can go back to the roots of who Scarlet Witch is because mm. in my reasoning for this and I know this is a little off from the ranking my reasoning is is that our Scarlet Witch was enhanced because they couldn't say she was a mutant that wasn't a thing
3: well that's right the biggest
0: thing yeah, she was enhanced, the biggest but, uh, thing that I think is a tell in that movie hyper. and it, and it comes on what's probably most people's favorite scene in the fight scene with the Illuminati. That Scarlet Witch. Now I know she's being possessed by our Scarlet. But it's still her and her powers. Like that physical body is the one with those powers. She's, she does the most Scarlet Witch mutant thing that we've ever seen Scarlet Witch do. And that's the what mouth. Our Scarlet Witch does not do magic like that. Our Scarlet Witch no. does this. And does... And does has powers that she got from a stone or from, I, well, they ended up saying she was a witch. Don't forget still, though. She's been We never had a Scarlet or speak. We never had a Scarlet s- just speak something into existence like that Scarlet in that moment did. And I feel like that was our mutant Scarlet witch that we may see later in the MCU.
2: It was a clear nod to House of M. Oh, yeah, I, I know,
0: sure. but it was also just I was like it was very out of left field for what her abilities are as far as what we know, and they didn't really need to do that. I mean, it was awesome freaking moment. It's my favorite moment in the movie. and she's like, what mouth and then like, oh, sorry, dude, <laughs> like that sucks it's one of the only moments uh, also way like... darker than I thought MC the MCU would ever go with with something like that. um I mean, I, I, I said, I'm giving it a five. it it was all over the
2: place Nico, um, yeah. I just don't like this movie. Um when people say that this is a good movie, I say Oh you, I meant to use those <laughs> tracks this time. <laughs> um the amount of exposition makes me fucking sick to my stomach. Um yep. It is there there's cool body horror scenes. Um but like Saw has cool body horror and those movies suck. So like that was not a redeeming quality for me. Um, the big thing for me that I hate is redundancy. How many times is Scarlet Witch or Wanda going to be bad and then good and then bad and then good. And she mm. does something bad and then she redeems herself. Age of Ultron. She's a bad guy. But then at the end, she's a good guy. And then in uh WandaVision, She's a bad guy. But then at the end, she says sorry. And now she's a good guy. And she just did all that character development in WandaVision just to be a bad guy again. But then by the end of that yeah. movie, she sacrifices herself because she's a good guy. It is so fucking redundant. I find this movie boring at times. I should not only look forward to the cameos of a movie. And all I wanted to see out of that movie was more of what the hell happened in that scene when the Illuminati is essentially executing their Doctor Strange and they just had that big-ass battle with Thanos and he's laying there dead. I would have loved to see that fight scene in full. Beyond that, this movie, um, uh, it do- doesn't do it for me. Four out of ten.
0: Okay.
3: Nemo? Four out of ten. Fucking hate it. <laughs> I think... The reason why I hate it so much is because the the amount of subplots that were just thrown into this movie was a major issue for me. Once you start to go more than two subplots within a movie, honestly, honestly, not even that. Once you go past more than one subplot in a movie, you're already going to lose me. Mm-hmm. And it's it, it's a very few movies for me where the subplots actually relate to the main plot of the story and Mm. or it flows back and forth within each other but it felt like it felt like reading two different comic books and switching back and forth between each each issues and it's just like what was the fucking point yeah you know and and that was my biggest gripe is because the there was probably technically two sub uh, subplots because you know you have america chavez and scarlet witch yep um and yeah, like Scarlet Witch, you know, the, her main goal was to kill America Chavez to, like, gain her power. Okay, cool. But had no relation, you know, to to America Chavez whatsoever. So it yeah. felt like super random how far she was willing to go, you know. And obviously, um, she was willing to go that far just because of her kids and not because she had a gripe with America Chavez, but again, it was sort of like it felt the the subplots felt very forced. Not only did they, they yeah. didn't relate to each other, they didn't flow well with each other, and it felt forced on top of that. So four out of ten, I didn't like it. John,
1: um, that movie sucked. Sarah and I went and saw it, and we You're we all walked it out. Agreeance. We, we walked out and we looked at each other and said that movie was terrible. We wish we would have never seen it. But there's what some cool Funko it? Pops that came from it, so I give it a four.
0: <laughs> you give it a four because of the Funko Pops. It's, uh-huh. That's honestly pretty yeah, valid. Didn't you buy valid. one yesterday? Didn't you just buy one yesterday? <laughs> oh, here he go. He's going to go grab it. <laughs> oh, it's right there. Oh, yeah, there it is in the background this oh, whole time. Oh, shit.
3: It's a good one. I mean it's Wait, a good one. Wait, okay, that shit is fire. That that is fire. That yeah, is a man really movie. Cool movie pops
0: are great. Okay. Alright. So we're coming down to the end. Uh next yeah, let's was keep Thor Love and Thunder.
3: I feel like
0: Yeah, I feel like Thor Love and Thunder had uh, a lot of um, there was a lot of back and forth with people on this one. I personally give it an 8 out of 10. The Thor the Thor movies are some of my favorite in the MCU. Ragnarok is up there at the top for me. Yeah. Um, I probably would have given this lower if people hadn't come out and pointed out the fact that it is 100% told from Korg's perspective. And like, there are little things about that. Because like, I was like, you know what? I didn't pick up on that the first time. And I thought the relationship between him and the Hammers and it almost being like this actual intimate relationship. I was it's like, silly. that's weird. That, that, that's a weird thing that has not been to that level a thing in the movie. But then when you think about the stuff that Korg has said to to um, Thor and then understand that he's telling the story, it made sense. Um, there were still some parts of it that were gimmicky, but I mean, I, I enjoyed the movie. I enjoyed that kind of 80s vibe that they, they started pushing with the Thor movies because um, it's always a good soundtrack and good action. Um, so, I mean, I give it an 8 out of 10. It's probably a little biased towards just liking Thor in the MCU. But uh, that's where I'm at. Uh, Nico?
2: So, I, I, as I said, Thor is my favorite MCU character. I love Thor. Um, upon first watch, I really liked this movie. I thought it was a lot of fun. It had some really great costuming, um, really good action, and great music. Uh, upon my second watch, I liked it less. And then, as time went and I sat with the movie, I realized that my bias for Thor really did carry it for me. Um, okay. I, I, I still would say seven out of ten because I enjoy watching it. I do enjoy watching it. I I, I enjoy the fight scenes. I really like Jane Foster's Mighty Thor. Um, I I thought that there was that it was it was a rough movie with some good qualities, and I think that. It just got a bit too silly. I think that Ragnarok was the line, and it just came to the edge of that line with silliness versus seriousness. I just felt like there were too many dark tones in this movie to have so much mm-hmm. silly, um, especially being a comic okay. book fan and loving Gore the God Butcher. Uh, if you're going to have Gore be the villain, yeah. it should have been darker. So uh, yeah. I, I And again, yeah. I, I would... Honestly, if I was watching this uh, subjectively, I would I would say like six out of ten, maybe a five out of ten. But I love Thor. I think that Chris Hemsworth carries everything he's in, so I'm still going to stick with a seven.
1: Okay, Nemo.
2: Um, I want to give it a six, but I'm I'm
3: gonna have to give it a five to be honest with you. Um, and the reason is not because of the movie itself specifically. <clears throat> But because of what the MCU did to Thor's character in general, yeah. Because I, I've read Thor comic books and like I'm not a fan. But me not being a because the MCU actually made me a fan of Thor, exactly. and this is coming from somebody who's read, you know. So I think it's cool to have comedy and to to, to you know to balance it out. But it would have been cool to have like a full blown, like you know, tap into the like the darker themes. And like Nico said, if you are gonna have Gore the God, but like, come on now, Thor versus <laughs> like, Gore, that comic book one could have been like so
2: crazy, dude. Did and see, like,
0: did you guys see the deleted scene where the the alternative to how he would have got Zeus's thunderbolt? Yes, and seen I that loved long it.
2: Scene? The serious yeah. conversation and between like, them, I love. Yeah, that. it it makes yeah. it
0: makes for a much different movie if there had been more scenes like that and not as like yeah.
2: comedic or rushed. I think yeah, Taka right. got a little out and, of hand. I think I
1: think yeah, they gave and,
2: him too much creative freedom, and he like just <laughs> went fucking berserk. Yeah, yeah. I think so, he thought he
0: was a little untouchable with with everything he's doing. People enjoy his character. was like should have. Should have thought a little bit longer.
3: Stan yeah. King, Valkyrie, yeah. though. Um, oh, yeah, for sure. But um, somebody brought up a good point. I forget who it was, but they were just like, oh, like, you know, they're leaning towards the comedy route because, you know, Thor's humor is a coping mechanism. And I'm like, I get that. But an entire... Entire movie just based off of like super silly com- like they lean too much into the comedy side and it sucks because when you read the comic books it's like yo thor is a
2: bad, yeah thor is pretty serious so look in at the the MC,
3: yeah and when you when you watch when you watch the mcu it's just like this is not Thor, you know and i get movies are supposed to be an interpretation of the comic books it's not supposed to be the same i totally get that but the that big of a difference between the comic books and the it was it was too drastic for me and and I I, I couldn't deal with it so I, I I'm gonna give it a five out of ten. Okay,
1: John, how would you feel about Thor? I give it a nine out of ten. I think it I was really good it. and funny and I just I don't know it was a good movie. It was fun. This is a very it, good it, surface it level it was, movie. It was it, it was fun it to watch. Yeah. Every other Phase Four it, it, it movie was sucks. a surface
0: level. Yeah, I just feel like there were so
2: movie. many moments where that should have been played. <laughs> Like, there were so we, many we need jokes. To, we need to utilize them. There were so many jokes. There were so many jokes in the movie where Thor said something, and it could have been, like, literally. There is
0: one line. There's one line that, for me, sums up, okay, you went too far, and I, I think is, like, a, a just a, a bold indicator of the fact that you thought that was acceptable means that you just didn't really care to what level you went. And it's when he sees Jane, the high pitched Jane that he does that he doesn't even sound like Chris Hemsworth to me anymore. It's just like I was like, that was so gimmicky. Cartoon-y. Like it's it is like nails on a chalkboard to me, because it's in the trailer, it's in every trailer when he first sees her and he's in the full eighties like he's got gold. The big store ass helmet outfit, on. Big ass helmet, and he's just like, Jane, and it's like this like it gets high pitch and it's like so gimmicky, and I'm like, why? 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 Why did you do that? Take and go. That's it. That's what we're putting in the movie. Yeah. That to me was just like y'all on there was, on a level you didn't care because that was one line that you could have redone with him actually just sounding surprised and it would have been fine. But it got gimmicky for no reason. Uh, all right, and finally, it's what we talked about tonight: the closure of the trauma phase in the most traumatic movie to date, Black Panther to Wakanda Forever. I mean, I give this a 10 out of 10. We talked about it. I love this movie. It was the delivery and everything. I mean, we don't need to go into it again. Um, I just, I I have no fault with this movie. I I loved it. I give it a 10 out of 10. Nico?
2: Um, It it takes a lot for me to give a movie a a 10 out of 10. So I'm not going to go that far. Uh, It is my number one movie in phase four. It is up there for top five MCU movies um, from enjoyment. I think I still think it's the best story that we've gotten in the MCU. And I think it's uh, some of the best execution we've gotten in the MCU. Um, I'm going to say a 9.7, which is incredibly monster score for me, a monster. I gave it a 9.2 the first time I saw it after I saw it a second time. I liked it more. Uh, I I just think it's a, I I think the word for it, the first word that comes to my mind is masterpiece point blank period. Just, Mm. just a masterpiece It's a, a timeless movie that I could watch a million times and never get sick of. And I love it. I love this movie. Nemo. Um, so
3: this movie was amazing. And especially as a person of color watching this movie, it literally meant the world to me um so 10 out of 10 for me personally but objectively i'm unfortunately gonna have to give it a 9 out of 10 and my main reasoning why is this one gripe that i had with the movie and um, me and all of my other uh, uh uh friends came to the same conclusion it was like every time we've always seen um black people and you know people in c- color general been portrayed in a negative light when it comes to film. And the one time we have this moment where um, Wakanda Forever, you know, between Namor being inspired by Aztec Mayan, uh, Hispanic culture, and, and Mesoamerican culture, and, and you have, like, this powerful African culture, the one time we finally get our representation is to you know brown cultures like fighting against each other instead of uniting mm. and, and 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 getting a... so that's that kind of like hit home for me because it's sort of like similar to like the black on black crime you know what i'm saying it's just like y'all are not enemies <laughs> the enemies you know white people sitting in the fucking octagon you know the government you know what i'm saying like that's your real enemy and i just hate the fact that every time you know, a person of color is in a position of power, it's either shown not to villainize, but they're portrayed in a villainous way. Because in my opinion, Namor is not a villain. You know, for the sake of Uh, storytelling purposes, obviously he's considered a protagonist. I I wouldn't even say an anti-hero either. He's literally just a protagonist. Yeah. And the reason why I don't even say he's an anti-hero is because, for example um i think if the roles were very i feel like if this was just the solo namor movie he would have been a hero and that's why i argue that you know um he's not an antihero because he's quite literally just protecting his nation and his people because remember he didn't attack he, he he quite literally said like i i loved how namor was honest he was like listen the reason oh, why absolutely. my plan is he was just like bro listen I'm honest. The reason why I want to kill Riri is for X, Y, and Z. And if you do any shady shit, I'm gonna <clears throat> come after you. And that's he it. Told He's him. a man of his work. He did exact him. he he said he was gonna pull up if you do some funny shit. And they did some funny shit and he pulled up. You know what I'm saying? So that's why it was like it, it, it kind of sucks. When I'm sucks not around, you're see. always doing
2: this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when come around, you don't wanna
3: post up. Right. And I- so it, it it really sucks to have like, you know two beautiful brown cultures just like go at it with each other instead of just like unite Mm -hmm. and like you know overtake so that's why i give it a nine i
0: I like what you say about that because then i think about it and i'm like had like one scene could have changed that perspective and just tell me if you think i'm right here when i think about it because i'm just like because i mean like you said namor was not trying to be anyone's enemy he was trying to protect Mm -hmm. his people there was a threat to that that the Wakandans could get to, and he goes, "You need to bring me this person, because like he can't yeah. go inland and stuff like that. I mean, he'd be spotted. Where, where he needs water; his other his yeah. people can't. So it's just like, you need to bring me this person because they're a threat to you. They're a threat to my people. And he, I mean, he didn't want an enemy out of Wakanda at all. And the only
3: reason he retaliated
0: mm-hmm. at them is because they—they they literally
3: killed one of his people. They killed one of his people. Of and his I think people. about
0: that scene, and had they somehow made it to where." Like maybe it was our government and maybe uh, I always forget his name. Bilbo's character, the agent, whatever his name is.
2: Everett Ross. Everett. Yeah, yeah,
0: Yeah, Everett. Had maybe Everett somehow been the one like sending a team that rescued them and their people. So then our government would have been the ones to kill his people. But it was a misunderstanding and he started it. Then you still have that. Oh, this happened because this these people actually did something bad. And so, exactly. like, and I know in the moment that, I mean, cause even here, just hearing what you're saying that would have drastically then changed that opinion. So it's like, no, 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 you guys, you like, you've been pit against each other, not of your own accord kind of thing. And that even just that yeah. slight thing will, also would have added so much to the perspective that it presents.
2: The problem with um, that though, is, is it's almost a copy paste of civil war. Like the whole storyline of civil war, it's very copy paste. And T'Challa was such an important part of that story. I feel like people would have maybe noticed the parallels too much if it was so like, um, Oh, this person did something bad, but they didn't really mean to. So we're going to protect him from the other bad people, but then we're going to come together because there's badder, Oh, but see, people. my
0: thing, it wouldn't have been someone not doing something bad. It would have just been straight up. They had a kill team came in, got Shuri out, didn't give a crap about the, the people that they took out, but then they didn't yeah. know that they're the ones that rescued them and blamed it on Wakanda. So and, yeah, I guess yeah, so. But, It was just a
3: hypothetical. Yeah, so for Nico's point, my only rebuttalment to that is the reason why it's different is because... The Sokovia Accords wasn't meant to pin people against each other. The government just assumed everybody would be on board. <laughs> like you know what I'm saying? No, no, but it was, and they were kind of ignorant. But it was sparked. Like he, no, and, he, it was he's, sparked he's solely
0: speaking to the, the Bucky
2: storyline. Black
0: Winter Soldier killed
2: the King yeah. of Wakanda. Oh, you're talking about that? He's talking about he's talking about Zemo's. My, yeah, what what you're saying kind of gotcha, lends to gotcha. my point though of like Bucky, what. Bucky, I mean, this all started because they thought Bucky killed uh, T'Chaka and then it comes back around when they find out Bucky really did kill Tony's parents. But Mm -hmm. he wasn't, he didn't do it because he was being controlled. So Cap is like, no, I have to protect him. And Tony's like, well, I'm gonna kill him. And then they have the dopest 2v1 fight scene in the entire MCU. But yeah, <clears throat> yeah, John. Now nah, I thought you were talking about the uh, Soviet, um, Sokovia Awards in, in general. Wow. My fault. John. What'd you think of? Oh, you're good. Wakanda Forever.
3: Well, he he t- he already told us adamantly. It was, but
0: yeah, was share good. again, John. It oh, seven point. It was good.
1: Right. It was a seven point five in my book. I thought the movie was slow, and I I just want Neymar swim trunks. I think those are the dopest looking things. So <laughs> I'll be at Blizzard Beach this summer with the swim trunks.
2: That clap is for John and swim Namor's swim
1: trunks. Uh, they're sick, right, bro. So, Have you? They're like green. They look like some dope. Like I don't know. It's like Jason Momoa's that, tattoos on. I don't know. It's cool. I want them. that. Concludes <laughs>
0: <laughs> that concludes our ranking of the MCU cinematic Phase Four uh, and tallying up everyone's scores and everything like that as as a as a podcast tonight. This is where each movie fell. Obviously, Black Panther takes the number one spot for Phase Four. Followed by, um, uh, followed by No Way Home. Uh, no Way Home came in and came in at second. Uh, Shang Chi came in at third. Then fourth, Thor actually came in uh, at fourth. And the only reason Thor came in at fourth is because we couldn't give a ranking for for John for Wait, Eternals. Where did Eternals come Otherwise. Yeah, because John didn't have a score, so it's just the three of us. Eternals, oh, okay. Eternals would have been second because I mean the three of us gave, gave it a nine. nine across the board. But the problem is John hadn't seen it, but he also probably wouldn't have put it that high. So uh, then you have a Eter- uh, then you had Eternals, uh, then we had Black Widow, followed lastly by Doctor Strange.
2: All right, so guys, that's it for Mouse Bros. Episode three. Um, if you enjoyed the episode, be sure to leave us a rating and a review. Follow us on all social medias at the mouse bros. Send us an email, um, the mouse bros3 at gmail.com. Let us know episode suggestions, uh, comments, concerns, things you want to just say to us directly. Nemo, thank you so much, dude. You were a welcome addition. All of your insight was incredible. Um, if you want to go you. ahead and plug yourself, let people know where they could find you real quick. Um, you can find me
3: on TikTok at whois.nemo with two O's at the end. And then my Instagram is whoisnemo, all one word, with also two O's at the end. I also do stream on Twitch about three to four times a week. <coughs> so if you guys want to catch a Twitch stream, um, it's also whoisnemo with two O's. Um, but guys, thank you so much for having me. I, I really absolutely. appreciate Our it. Our privilege. This is actually really fun.
2: Our privilege, man. So that's absolutely that's it. Uh, John, can can you say something? Because I just like to hear you talk.
1: <laughs> I mean, next next week I'm I'm hosting. It's I will be taking over podcast. Yeah.
2: Do you know what the topic will... is yet, or have you? Not yeah, we're
1: we're 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 jumping into what we want to see Bob Iger do within Disney Parks.
2: Oh, I like that. Right,
0: effect, effectively naming next week's episode. Bye, Bob. Hi, Bob. Hi, Bob. Hi, Bob. Bye, Bob. Hi, Bob. Bye,
2: Bob. Hi, Bob. Yes, I will absolutely. Bye, <laughs> Bob. Hi, Bob. <laughs> 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 um all right guys that's it thank you to everybody for coming out thank you if you have made it this far in the podcast freaking two and a half hours in we appreciate you so much
0: two and a half hours in we gotta we gotta give a fan shout out and i feel like this is the perfect time because i know she is still listening i know she will have made it till the very end and will have comments for us on all social media i have to give this week shout out to main street mel Mel is always commenting on our stuff. She's probably one of our biggest supporters. I love Mel. Uh, it went to Zay last week, and definitely have to give it this week to Main Street Mel,
2: Listener of the Week. Mel. Main Street Mel, that is it. So Don't
0: we're going to try and cook.
2: keep track of these uh, these listeners of the week. She can. And really maybe well. every half year, every twenty five episodes, we'll uh, we'll we'll get together and see who has the most listeners of the week, or we'll just put your name in a big in my big Darth Vader helmet and pull it out of a hat and. Get a little prize for you, maybe a little care package, a pin, a Funko Pop, a little one thing from each of the guys here over at the Mouse Bros. Um, Nemo, you keep your microphone yes. ready because next time we have another Marvel episode, uh, you know we're going to be reaching Dude, out, brother. Of course,
3: of course, bro. Hit me up whenever, bro. This is like my third time doing a podcast and like I'm, I'm having so much fun with I'm it. I'm so glad you were
2: here, man. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening. As I said, find us on social media. We love you. Have a good night and Wakanda forever. Wakanda forever.